to the Screaming Pods Network. Welcome to the Screamcast episode 162. I am Sean DeRager, and we are joined by greatness, the King Dick himself, Brad Henderson. <laughs> Damn, that was such a dick thing to say, but I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks uh, for having me back. Um, I feel like I'm just a guest on the show mm-hmm. at this point. You are. You are. Uh, yeah. Thanks yeah. for having me. No, no. It's good. I mean all that in love. Any ribbing that I give Brad uh, is not just a condom. It is yeah, rib rib for his yeah, pleasure. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's because I love this guy to Ew. death. Oh yeah, to death. Yeah, I agree. So uh, of course, so today we are going to be discussing your fantastic fest trip. So that's why Stephanie is not joining us on this episode because she did not go to Fantastic Fest. Uh, you did, and you spent a week plus with other uh, stinky, sweaty. You know, nerds. it wasn't it wasn't that bad this time. Really, and people, I will are, get into that. Okay, once perfect. we once we start talking about Fantastic Fest, I will perfect. give you the FF rundown. Yeah, yeah. First, before we jump into anything, everybody, I need to thank some new members of Club Scum. Mm. So I got to do a few quick shout outs here to get things moving. We want to thank all of you who are do participate in Club Scum for, Did uh, you for signing up. Just quote Austin Powers. Yeah, of course. Oh, my <laughs> of God. course I did. <laughs> I'm the only moron that probably got that. too. <laughs> uh, so we want to thank all of our Club Scum members. You guys really do help keep this thing running. You keep us motivated. Um, you know, you're not. You're, we're not buying buying any like. I have know nothing about fancy cars, but we're not buying any Chryslers. Is, is Chrysler a nice car? Yeah, Chrysler <laughs> LeBaron, brother. <laughs> That's where it's at. Yeah, we're not. You know, we're not buying like 300 bottles of scotch. I'm I'm going to Costco and buying my scotch there. So this isn't just this isn't for us to line our pockets. This is basically to help with the show, help with things. You guys help purchase a new microphone for Stephanie, which is much appreciated. Help for server costs. All that stuff. So uh, yada yada yada. Um, and you're part of this cool community. Like we have a secret Facebook page. We we talk back mm, and forth secret. on the Patreon page, and it's really awesome. And I love all of you who join up. So that's cool. it. I have a three patrons to thank today. We need to give a cheers, a toast to Brian Sauer. He joined oh. Club Scum finally. So I Brian, that cheers. We, you know what, we were just talking today uh, on social media and shit, and Brian does have to come back on, uh, so we need to get some some shows scheduled with him. I mean, him and Stephanie are like doing just the pods together like all the time, so it should be pretty easy to get him. Uh, just the us. discs. Just the pods. Is Did I say there, just the pods? Just the discs. He yeah, does. He does. A, he has like a, a blog show. called Just the Pods. No, too. I think we have a new idea for a show. We just. Because there's only like a couple podcasts out there. Mm-hmm. We just have a show <laughs> where people review podcasts. Yeah, there are shows like that. Did you know that? 
That is weird. All right, <laughs> continue. Those pop I thought up I was like, I thought I was making a you know a clever joke, and it's <laughs> like, oh are, no, that's for real. There are real podcasts that do that. I don't know. So, cheers, Brian Sauer. Thank you for becoming a wow. member of Club Scum. Your membership card, sir, is on the way. Next up, big thank you to Joseph Craig for signing up and becoming a member of Club Scum. And he may be joining me on a future armchair philosopher, by the way. So, um, oh, pretty shit. cool that like people discovering, you know, Joseph Screencast, Craig? and then some Joseph crossover, Craig? some crossover shit going on. And finally, like Alan Iverson. Yeah. All right, go ahead. And finally, Chris Cooper signed up today. The actor? Yes. Oh, my God. Because the actor, Chris Cooper, we love your work. Uh, So, Chris Cooper, thank you so much for joining Club Scum. If you guys haven't joined the private Facebook group, let me know. I can send you the link. Uh, You should have got a link in the email. And make sure you save your extra special little, special little, I don't know, RSS feed to get outtakes and shit oh. like that. And we, we need this to start... This whole show is an outtake. It is. And we need to start doing um, some late night episodes that is on the agenda between me and Stephanie and me and you, Brad. We can get some late night episodes going, uh, schedule yeah. permitting. So, uh, new Club Scum members, your membership cards are in the mail. Thank you very much. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Right, Sean? <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah baby. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> We're so bad. Pathetic. All right. So, so what's next? With that said, let's jump into a little episode, little uh, little section we like to call What's on Our Doorstep. Holy cow. I almost forgot. We'll get the door. Pizza. <laughs> All right, so the first thing I will talk about is a film by Jeff Nichols. I'm late to the party on this, but I finally watched Midnight Special. Jeff Nichols? That's, like, super old. I know. I finally watched it. Of course, starring Michael Shannon and uh, some other people. And this is kind of a... I don't know what it is. It's like a supernatural. I was I was thinking, like, because it felt like a 80s sci-fi-ish, you know, with, like, this kid, like, Starman kid or whatever. It's you know a science I mean? fiction road um, movie. Yeah, yeah. And uh, anyway, I'm not going to talk too much about it, but I really liked most of it. I think it kind of started falling a little bit flat towards the end, in my opinion. But uh, I did like that there was some cult stuff in there, and that's always a plus for me. And, of course, this, uh, you know, some supernatural sci-fi stuff going on with this kid. And Michael Shannon, always good in whatever he's doing. So uh, that's my take on Midnight Special. Everyone's seen it. Yeah. I'm not going to do a plot synopsis or whatever. I like it. It's good. And the kid's really good. And uh, yeah, so check it out if you have not. Brad, what do you uh, what do you got? Um, Well, I'm just going to, since I don't know where I, what I covered last time, <laughs> I'll just start with one of the more recent. Oh. I'll start with what I watched uh, yesterday. No. Um, so this is a new to me movie. Um, it's 1977, I believe. It was um, The Spell. Uh, Screen Factory released this. This is a made-for-TV movie. They put on uh, Blu-ray. They did the best elements they could. It looks all right. Um, but I've never seen it. Um, and when it came out, I heard 
that it was kind of a ripoff of Carrie that played to that um, kind of supernatural, uh, not supernatural, to like telekinesis power type mm-hmm. thing. Um, I mean, it's very standard. It's about a girl named Rita that is tormented in school. She's called Fat, you know, all of that. Um, and then one day when they're doing kind of this climbing the rope in gym class, this girl, uh, Little Miss Popular girl, shows off a little bit. And Rita, like, looks up at her, and then she falls off the rope and snaps her neck. Oh, shit. So then the story kind of, revol- of course, revolves around Rita and her family. A young, young, young Helen Hunt is mm-hmm. in the movie. She's, like, 12 or 13. She plays Rita's sister. Um, I can't remember the actor's other name. And it was driving me crazy. When I was watching it, because his voice, I was like, man, I know this guy from somewhere. And he's not a very prominent actor um, like you would know right off hand, maybe. Brian Sauer would, of course, because he's a crazy person. <laughs> um, but I was like, oh, shit, that's the uh, guy in Commando that John Matrix speaks to, like, uh, is his, like, former commander. But anyways, um, he's in it. Um, I can't remember the woman's name. But anyways, Rita doesn't have a good home life either like her sister doesn't like her her mom's the only one that shows her any attention and then the father like fat shames her like every time she goes to eat he goes do you really need that that type of thing and they're i mean honestly the whole entire family really is kind of shitty to rita so i feel like we're kind of rooting i would watched it with willow and we're kind of like i hope rita fucking kills everybody (laughs) like everybody's a really shitty person to her so Rita escapes um, every night per, uh, pretty much, and it's kind of unknowing where she is going. But she's able to channel visions and tear into your brain mm. to kind of make you have an accident or create an accident herself. Um, I enjoyed a good portion of it. I thought the ending fell a little flat. It does have kind of a really neat ending as far as a storyline goes, but how it um, kind of evolves and then falls flat with kind of, let's say, the action and the climax um, of it is just very underwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, it was odd because it felt like it was building up to this explosive ending, which it could have. But it really just kind of mellowed out, um, which I was a little upset about. Like I normally, you know, not judging like it wasn't I don't know. It was just kind of like this was seems like a cop out. Like they didn't maybe have any money or they I mean, I know it was made for TV, but I mean, this is like the 70s. So, I mean, and plus what should have happened wasn't that big of a deal. Um, I won't spoil it for people because I feel like the spell is extremely underseen. I even did like searches like on Twitter and no one was really talking about it. It was released, I think, last year on Blu-ray by Screen Factory, but it is a more unknown movie. So it probably wasn't a big seller because people are too busy buying, you know, uh, Army of Darkness and the thing this year (laughs) (laughs) and the Halloween 4K (laughs) Blu-ray. But yeah, branch out. I even said that and I'm not like throwing shade at you, but branch out. (laughs) watch something you've never seen before but anyways i mean it's a decent movie um you know i'm not a huge carrie fan to begin with so i i'm kind of open to these movies um but i don't really don't see too many similarities in carrie i just think at the time and kind of um you know it's not even tell i said telekinesis it's not even telekinesis Mm. it's telepathy mainly 
Um, yeah, telepathy's you know. kind of telekinesis' uh, cousin. Well, I mean, like, she's more or less shooting thoughts into your mind rather right. than moving things. Right, right. Okay. I always get those two confused yeah. for a, a, a quick second. They're, but anyways, it's a decent film. So. Okay. Right on. All right. Uh, I watched uh, – this just came out on uh, – this was Screen Factory, of course, and they have their IFC – you know, midnight series, which is kind of hit or miss. You yeah, know, with some so. of these. Um, at least they're putting IFC movies on Blu-ray. Yeah, IFC is right. notorious yeah. for burying every film they pick yeah. up. Yeah, so IFC's always been a little bit hit or miss. But yeah, like that was the mo- <laughs> the big frustration thing with that I had was there would be a really good movie and they would only release it on DVD and it'd be like, God damn it! But um, they they've had a few. Uh, few bangers here and there i think last week we talked about uh i think the stephanie talked about pie Wacket, or maybe it's before uh, i think but, you and i did yeah, yeah you and i did yeah pretty, so i talked about pie Wacket. um so this time i finally popped in ghost stories yeah which stars martin freeman uh andy nyman some other other people and yeah andy this, nyman i think directed it too okay or and this is kind of a it's, it's in a way it's an anthology film but i like how they tie yeah. it together because it feels very organic because you have this kind of skeptic who's going and he kind of you know he debunks kind of uh uh supernatural things and psychics and things like that and he's kind of known for that he has like a tv show and he goes to kind of uh kind of debunk or get some information about this some supernatural things and his journey takes him on three kind of interviewing three different people and uh so there's three separate stories but it's all kind of tied in with uh this the skeptic this guy's perspective kind of doing the interviews and i don't want to give anything away at all i think that um like with most anthologies one or two maybe are stronger than another but i like that it's three because sometimes, you know, these anthology films can just be a little bit too much. But I like that it's three kind of contained ghost stories uh, and all have different levels of creep, some creep factor, and really well acted. And, uh, you know, anything with Mar- when Martin Freeman shows up, of course, I'm always uh, always down to give it a little, that's like a little bump up on, on the pegs there. But, uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a really good little, uh, little ghost, ghost flick. I would definitely... Check it out if you're kind of building your Halloween watch lists. I would say this yeah. would be a fun one to add with some friends, you know, and, uh, and, I, and watch this. I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed it. We programmed that at the for one of the midnights of the Florida Film Festival. Um, I I enjoyed it. I thought it had a great setup. I love the first segment because mm-hmm. that's the with the guy that's with the trains, right? Yes. It's been a while since. Well, I've it's, seen it. he's, um, he's like a, he's like a night. He's like a night watchman. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it was like a train station or if it was like a yeah. mine. I don't. So it, that it was, was an abandoned decent. asylum. I really, I really loved the second one. However, I felt like it was cut like five minutes short because mm-hmm. I felt like it was going to get really intense with inside the car but yeah. i it just kind of ended yeah and then martin freeman was fine but i mean it all does come together at the end that was kind of cool like mm-hmm. it was definitely a planned you right. know wraparound right. which is better than most of these horror anthologies which obviously sometimes don't even have a wraparound and if yeah. they do it's kind of like last minute yeah but yeah it's fine yeah yeah so that was ghost stories cool poster art for Check all those uh um they had different poster art oh, for, yeah, for they, that they, it was they pretty did. rad yeah and and the, i feel yeah. like the, even the coolest ones didn't even end up on the cover like on the 
the slipcover is okay, but then beneath that, it's it's pretty it's pretty awesome poster. But they, there was some, they had some other ones. They were cool. Isn't there three stories or four There's, stories? Uh, well, four if you add in the include the, skeptic the Martin guy. Freeman. Guy. Well, Martin Freeman's kind of is a story in itself, but then it kind of wraps into the wraparound. So technically, yeah, I would say there's four stories. So that's the one in the sewer. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yo, right. Yeah. So there's there's four stories. It's like I said. It's 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 yeah. It's it's been a while. It's since not I've just seen some. It, but, I, but that's the thing. It's not such not just some bullshit wraparound thing. It's actually another right, right. self-contained story that's kind of you know spreads itself out throughout the the films. I, I I really dug that aspect of it. So it's really well yeah. done. It all kind of ties in. Feels really nice. Kind of flows nice and. Um, and there's some surprises to be had. Yeah. Um, well, since we're talking about Florida Film Festival, I will talk about another film that we programmed at Florida Film Festival that is now out on VOD. And you should uh, rent it because, I, I mean, it's one of those things that you probably wouldn't buy on DVD or Blu-ray, even if it gets a physical release, which it might not show up on Netflix eventually. But it's the documentary um, about Fred Rogers. It's called oh, cool. Won't You Be My Neighbor? And um, this is the I watched it twice. I watched it once when we programmed it, and then I watched it again because I really wanted uh, Janice to see it. Um, but yeah, it's just so invasive to this guy's life. And I mean, could you like he's just so pure at heart? Like, oh no, it doesn't show Mister Rogers having sex, does it? No, no, oh. like it's. Just kidding. What? <laughs> um, oh, this is it, documentary. It this, like... isn't, this isn't the Tom Hanks movie that's going to be coming out. Sorry. I'm getting my wow. wires crossed. So, like, it's it's just a very sweet man who did so much, like, for kids. And it shows the obstacles that he went over and how he just won, like, some of these hard asses over. Um, even, like, when the I, they cut the footage short, where you can watch this Supreme Court ruling with Fred Rogers oh. that is, like, ten minutes long that really brings tears to your eyes. They cut That's it, so like, good. five minutes short in the movie. They don't do the whole thing, which I think they should have because it's a very powerful and very engrossing, like, ten minutes. Like, it, like you stop breathing because he just keeps talking about what he's doing. He's talking to these fucking hardcore Republican dudes who just, like, want to cut all the budget for, you know, TV and educational television, stuff like that. So you just get to see like how, you know, um, I, I mean, nerves of steel and just a, a, a great person in general. And, um, I mean, we all kind of know that. Um, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's a really great documentary to see even like the interviews with his children and his wife, uh, kind of how they met. Um, and just the, also the work that he put into these shows. I mean, we, we know Mr. Rogers mm -hmm. is the face, but I, I mean, I used to watch the show, but I never did any research on Mr. Rogers, but he wrote and produced every show. He voiced most of the puppets and he did the, vo uh, he, yeah, he did most of the hand movements and oh, really. Uh, voices of mostly all the puppets other than the, the female ones. And some of the, in his, uh, his, like the female one was like his sister. Um, so it, it was also like a family affair as far as getting the stuff together. He had the same crew for years and years and years. He had an adult show that he tried to connect with people. He tackled racism. 
on on the show, which I thought was uh, he has this one really heartfelt uh, moment where he invites. Um, I guess there's a, a mailman or a security guard. He's a black guy. He was on the show for years. Well, there's like this really important thing where he sits down and Mr. Rogers is like sitting in a chair outside and he's got his feet like in this kiddie pole. And he tells the guy to come and put his feet, you know, the black guy to come and put his feet in the kiddie pool. Hmm. You know, because I mean, at that time, I mean, it was like segregation where right. blacks had their own pool, water fountains and stuff like that. So it just really shows that he was also trying to get that message across to adults, too, um, which I thought was very, very interesting. And, you know, you don't think about that as a kid and you grew up, you know, we're all adults. and We're like, oh, yeah, I used to watch Mr. Rogers. That was a cool show. But I also I mean, I'm not going to get too political, but (laughs) I have this theory that if we still had shows like Mr. Rogers, like educational as far as like health. Mm hmm. And um, being a good person, we would not have some of this terrible shit that we had. I mean, we still have educational stuff like Baby Einstein and Bubble Guppies and shit like that. But it doesn't teach you values. Like Mr. Rogers was solely like values and and, uh, you know, how to be a good person. I mean, these other things are teaching kids how to count and everything, which is fine. It's great. But there's nothing that exists kind of like Mr. Rogers. No. Like all these kid shows like Dora, Blue's Clues, they're all great for kids, I agree. And it's scientifically proven that they are. I mean, that's awesome. But there's something that's missing as the core of like being a human being. Yeah. So anyways, that's I feel that if Mr. Rogers or something like Mr. Rogers was still in the air, I mean, I, I feel like we wouldn't be having some of these stupid conversations with these fucking, I mean, even though I'm kind of a millennial, I guess these millennial people that think they know everything and treat everybody like shit. But anyways, Mr. Rogers is a rad guy. It also tells, you know, the world that he wasn't a sniper or he had tattoos or he was gay, which that documentary tackles everything about the rumors <laughs> too, which is pretty rad. And they joke about it. But anyways, it's a really, just get your tissues ready. It's, awesome. it's a really yeah. great doc. So yeah, I've heard some great things about it. All right. Uh, well, this this is the final thing I'm going to talk about, but it's like four movies in one. Mm. Uh, I, I I cracked open the Wreck Collection from Screen Factory. Oh, and I'm not going to okay. dive into these films. Everyone, all, most of you have probably seen Wreck One and Two. Um, Wreck Two is probably my favorite, but that's hard to say because like they're both really fucking good. But Wreck Two is like the aliens to the alien. You know what I mean? Like. Uh, Rec 2 is just... Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it, it's awesome. It's a powerhouse sequel. Yeah, yeah. totally. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about Rec 3 and then Rec 4. Uh, but Rec 3 surprised me on... Like, there's a couple things going on. Like, it, it starts off with the first-person thing, and then it transitions into more of a standard film. And I found that to be very... Like, an interesting choice. I didn't hate it, but I was kind of like, oh, wow... We're transitioning into just more of kind of a splatter zombie flick. And uh, and it becomes that. And, you know, for that part of it, uh, it's fun. There's some good gore in it. There's some surprises in it. Um, and I'm not sure. I haven't read up on the mythology of 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 this series. But um, 
I'm thinking. What do you want to know? What do you want to know? Maybe it stays in line with that when they all when all the zombies kind of stop in one spot. This is I don't think this is a spoiler, but they all kind of start looking. They're up not in the zombies. Air. Well, yeah, well, yeah, no, they're infected. You know, it's a virus. But they're no. <laughs> it's not. It's possession. Okay. 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 No, a it's, pose- it's possession. possession that's brought on by bites. I mean, Basically, it's a zombie. Yeah. It's still a zombie movie. It's but. well, the, that's the thing is the first movie is a zombie movie, and then you learn that it's a fucking yeah. uh, you know, um, it's it's fucking demons and shit. Huh. I think that I think the sequel's totally rad. Awesome. So, um, so anyway, Rec Three. I had fun with it. I was a little surprised at the direction that they go because, I mean, I guess I don't know. Like I like because they had that one guy that was like, "Well, I'm going to keep filming," you know, and I'm like, "Oh, okay." I get how that can happen, and then there's surveillance stuff, and then it just kind of transitions into like a well filmed, you know, horror flick. What, what did right, you think so about that? Well, here's the thing. This is my REC ratings. <laughs> okay. Two. Mm-hmm. Three, okay, one, and then four is like way, way, way down <laughs> in the garbage can. Um, but I like three quite a bit. Nice. Okay. What? What? Like a lot. What made it stand out for you above the other films? Um, I like how they do. It. First off, it's a prequel to everything, mm-hmm. and I think that's rad. And there's plenty of things that kind of loop into the first film. Um, I absolutely love the relationship between um, Coldo and um, what's the girl's name? Uh, How do you remember people's uh, names in movies? I don't. I've never. Is it Clara? 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 It's by the actress. Yeah, Clara. Clara and Coldo. Yeah, yeah. Letitia Dolera is the um, lead. She's great, man. She's awesome. She's she's fantastic. When she's carrying the chainsaw down in like the (laughs) fucking tunnels (laughs) and covered in blood in her wedding dress, that's like my favorite thing ever. Um, But I love the relationship between those two because the first two movies are, you know, basically, you know, you're getting in and you're trying to get out. Right. Um, Virus gets out. You know, Angela's out and about and just doing her thing. And then the third one takes us back, 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 Mm -hmm. um, which I which I love. But my biggest thing is um, I love the interactions with the family, Mm -hmm. but more or less uh, Coldo trying to get to Clara and just like the dialogue, I, you know, they keep saying, like, I love you, my love. I'll get to you, my love. Mm-hmm. And it just ends like with this horrific oh. ending. And I'm like, tears me apart. Man. And yeah. And I but I love I love the comedic aspect to it. I love the horror aspect. I do love the um, the change with yeah. it's not really a found footage movie anymore. Uh-huh. I think they handle um, that so I, cool. Like the way that they right. do it. It's and it like has a narrative. Yep. And I, I just. I think all of it works. And um, I mean, I say that three is better than one, but I really think the first three are a extremely solid, solid trilogy. And then we, and four, we get a, like a zombie monkey, which is, (laughs) I wasn't going to talk about four very long. They kind of, (laughs) well, they kind of ignore the fact that it's demons, right? Because how does, I mean, is the demon inhabiting the monkey? I mean, I I get well, you know, if if like I just look at Brad, stupid. if you go if you go to the new, new the New Testament, uh, Jesus does exercise some demons, and they go and possess pigs and run off a cliff. So, 
technically, if you're going to go into the spiritual realm, like it has been documented in religious texts that uh, animals can be possessed by demons. Cool. But part four still sucks. <laughs> it's not that good. But the, you have the return of the Wreck 2 actress, uh, which I was like, oh, okay, cool. And then. Yeah, for as, Angela, yeah. Yeah, for Angela. And then as the movie goes along, I'm like, oh, not so cool. Okay. And it was just kind of very derivative. So, but uh, the box set is cool. If you like, if you know, if you like all these movies, Screen Factor did a bang up job with this. I think I own like a either Canadian or Spanish Blu rays of yeah, like it's one the Canadian two. ones. I own yeah. all four that E1 Entertainment yeah. put them out. Uh, but if you don't own these, definitely grab these. They have some, you know, some good stuff in them. Not they're not like totally stacked as far as extras go, but there's enough in there. And and I think this was like. For uh, for four movies, it was pretty cheap. I think it was like thirty bucks is what I paid for it. Yeah. So, you know, but well, but yeah. or or you could save your time <laughs> and um, watch uh, Baliagros and Paco Plaza's other films. Oh, which are better. I highly recommend um, Baliagros. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Uh, Yame Baliero, whatever. You're think asking the wrong it. person. I fuck up every yeah, name I, I mention. Uh, his <laughs> debut film, which I don't think it's available anymore on Blu-ray, cheap. I mean, you can try, but it's called The Nameless. Oh, cool. And it's yeah. about um, this family that their daughter is kidnapped. And so the mother and father start to fall apart um, just because of the stress and everything of their of their daughter missing. And then like 15, I forget how many years, like 10, 15 years later, they get a call from her. Um, and it's these guys playing this game with the family. Oh, shit. It's really fucking good. I think the nameless yeah. is going to be one of those films that gets picked up by somebody because it was on like uh, what bullshit. Uh, some, well, some Miramax bullshit. owns it. Miramax. Well, Miramax, Miramax owns Miramax it, movie. but it was Echo Bridge. Echo Bridge. Fuck. But Echo. Well. Actually, if that's the case, then Film Rise probably owns it mm. because that's who bought. Um, I actually know that full story of how that all unfolded. Okay. Well, it, it's um, got it's it's got to get a better release. I, I'm yeah, assuming, and then yeah. Um, Darkness with Anna Paquin is fine. Oh, okay, um, did the Fragile with? Uh, I know even though you look at it, Calista Flockhart's in it, but I mean it's it's made in uh, Spain. It's a very very good. Uh, horror film, um, very creepy. And then my favorite movie he's ever done is Sleep Tight, which is fucking terrifying <laughs> as far as like the characters go. It's not a scary movie, but uh, Cesar is fucking horrifying. But it's one of those movies that you just love the bad guy, which it's sick. Like I watched Sleep Tight and I just love the bad villain. And he's just a terrible person. But anyways, oh, and then he also wrote The Nun from uh, 2005, not The Nun, <laughs> The New Nun. The Old Let's Nun. Let's not talk about that movie. <laughs> so. Right. Um, do you have a, maybe we can do like two more for you. I'm done. So do you have a couple more for you and then we'll move on into Fantastic Fest Madness? Um, no, Your but call. I will say, I will say that he also has another film. Um, there's a pack that you can buy on DVD or you can buy them super cheap on Voodoo. It's called Six Films to Keep You Awake and it's a Spanish horror box, kind of like how they did the eight films, mm -hmm. uh, like then the dark bullshit that they did over here in the US. Well, anyways, um, 
both of Paco Plaza and um, Baliero has have films in there. Baliero is called To Let, which is really good. Um, it's about a woman that goes into an apartment building to rent, and then all the tenants are fucking nuts. And Paco Plaza has a really good uh, Christmas uh, horror movie, whereas these kids find this escape convict in a um, hole, and they try to escape. Um, they had a Santa suit on to escape, and then the person escapes from the hole and tries to kill all the kids, and it's really fucking good. Um, and then he also had Veronica that just came out it hit Netflix. It's pretty good too. So, um, cool. Oh, he also has a werewolf movie that kind of sucks, but anyways, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, uh, I think both of them as directors, they're really strong. I know, uh, Baliergo has a new film called the muse that's coming out. I know it's finished and filmed and, I, I think it's played at a couple like foreign film festivals, but yeah, I'm super excited about that. Awesome. But anyways, yeah, I'm a big fan of their work. Um, I think they work better together. Um, but I do think Belliard was the stronger director. Um, but Paco fire. Plaza, yeah, Paco Plaza is pretty good too. Cool. I mean, they, they all like, I think Belliard did REC four and then Plaza did three. Okay. Right. And they did him. I, I think they, I mean, obviously they were still probably, you know, on set together, but both of them directed REC and REC two, um, which I think those are pretty much some of the best horror films that came out in the 2000s. Yeah, definitely. But anyways, move along. Do you have a, do you have a, do you want to jump in the fantastic fest? Do you have any more you want to? Yeah. Yeah. No, I just want to talk about those guys for All a little right, bit. Cool. Cause I like them. <sighs> Let's jump into Brad's excursion down to Austin, Texas for Fantastic Fest 2018. My eighth year. Oh my God, man. My eighth year. So, and, um, how many films did you watch this time around? How many films did you watch? Um, I think that I saw like 27 or 28 at the fest, okay. but I've seen more than that that played at the fest because um, of kind of helping other festivals with mm-hmm. programming and also trying to pick up other films mm-hmm. for like, you know, other companies. So um, I've seen more, which I'll talk about those too. Cause I've seen the films. Okay. Um, so how do you want to, yeah. how do you want to organize this? I'm just going to let you go and I'm going to interject with dumb shit questions probably here and there, but this is uh, from that's, here on out, fine. man. This is your recollection of, of Fantastic Fest 2018. You know, a lot of our a, compo- well, a lot of our compatriots were there. A lot of people we bump shoulders with here online and social media. Rob Hunter was there. Yeah. Anya yeah, was, I got Anya to was see there. Rob a little bit. I got to hang out with Anya just a tiny bit. Yep. Say hello. It's funny, like every, everyone's everyone's there, but you all kind of briefly like. Right. <laughs> it's funny. You really don't see too many people. <laughs> like you know, there was people there that I wanted to meet, but I never got to see. Yeah. You know, because it's just really weird and chaotic and yeah. movies end at certain times, other ones start. But anyways, um, so yeah, I will dive into, I'm actually just going to go down the schedule. Okay, cool. Because, um, like I said, some of these films I may have seen even last year and just haven't, you know, I didn't see them at the fest. I just saw them a while ago. So I will start off with the banger, uh, the new Halloween. 
Oh, fuck. Oh, my God. Um, Which was, yeah, I know, this one's heavy. Um, So I really want to watch Halloween again. I think my expectations may have been a little high. (laughs) You Um, of all people, man. (laughs) I obviously did not hate the film. I would never, ever, ever, ever say um, I disliked it. People were, when I came out and I said, yeah, that was fine. People were like, oh, what didn't you like about it? I was like, well, there wasn't anything that I disliked. I just was a little underwhelmed, I guess. Um, but I'm in the minority on that. Everybody kind of lost their minds. Um, but see, nobody's really dissected the Halloween films like you have. Like you're like you've taken your fandom of Halloween to a completely <laughs> whole other level. So. <laughs> Let let me let me preface this by I, I'm a huge fan of pretty much all the Halloween films, uh, good or bad, what people consider. The only one I really dislike uh, is Resurrection. I like H2O. I like four, five, and six. Um, not going to really include three into that. That's a different animal, but I love that movie right. too. Um, I'm one of these crazy people, which I know I'm alone, but if you ever hear me out, I believe that Halloween 2 by Rick Rosenthal is better than Carpenter's Halloween. Mm. Um, I think it has a better setting. It has better lighting. um, Its sense of dread is heightened quite a bit. The body count's higher. Myers is more relentless. And the score is just a powerhouse. Um, Even though it's the same thing, they did a more synth on this one um, because he was working with Alan Howarth. Mm -hmm. And I think that really brought out uh, the power. And I know like people now are like, Oh man, (laughs) it's a dumb plot. Dude, we dealt with that for years and no one fucking care. But since I guess this new movie's out, I guess that's a dumb plot line, which I know Carpenter wasn't a fan of it of himself, but it doesn't make the movies bad. Um, but anyways, this movie is the second film after the Carpenter's original. Uh, so it's erasing everything else. Um, but it does have homages here and there, um, of the older films. I believe, um, there's definitely a a Halloween two reference, which you get to see in the trailer. There's a Halloween three reference, which you get to see in the trailer. I believe, and I can't believe I didn't talk to Anya about this, but I'm almost 100% positive they were going for a Cult of Thorn homage <laughs> at one point. Um, but anyways, uh, I, I there is a moment in the film that it does, like I'm, I was on board a lot, but there's a moment in the film where the film kind of takes this weird turn and everybody's going to know what I'm talking about when you see it. That's just kind of out of nowhere and doesn't feel right. Um, it's a small subplot that happens and it's not, it's not a good idea. Like I thought it was very weak and it's what made me kind of really back away from the movie because it totally kicked. I like wanted to look around and be like, is anybody else seeing this? Like, this is crazy. Um, but anyways, um, the film's really, you know, film's fine. Uh, what really stands out is the score. They didn't have it turned up a lot, which I hope they fix. Um, I'm not sure if it was the theater or if they just kind of made it's almost like a droning sound for the soundtrack and the soundtrack's really good. It does switch up the theme a little bit. Um, I made this joke, which I don't know if a lot of people will get. So in 19, 
you know, well, whenever Halloween came out, 1978. So Halloween came out in 1978. There was a bunch of ripoffs that came out afterwards, technically, with slashers. But they're all great in their own way. But there was this one film uh, made in the 80s that ripped off the Halloween score. It's called Offerings. Um, and they just play offer. They play the Halloween score, but they really slow it down. But it's the same, same, same tune, same keys. <laughs> I feel that they ripped off the ripoff um, because they do the exact same thing. They slow it down and it's perfect. And I thought that was really funny. That's funny. But um, that's just me being a nerd. Um, so yeah, I, I, I like, I, I love Laurie Strode. I, I love what she did. I love the characters. I thought the family aspect was really great. Um, I thought the showdown was fine, but I love how high the body count is. Myers is relentless in this very much like he is in the second one where he's just fucking killing everybody. Mm -hmm. He doesn't give a shit. You don't have to cross Michael Myers. He'll fucking kill you, Um, which I dug. But I do feel that the film, uh, like I think the opening scene doesn't really catch you, Um, which originally I heard that the beginning of the movie was going to open with the first one showing Myers getting caught. Huh. Um, but they just kind of dive into him already being in prison, which I don't know. A- anyways, I'll, I'll let people see it, but I don't want to spoil so it. So how, how, how do they, do they reference the possibility of the other timelines at all, kind of closing those gaps down or do, or do they just assume like, cause in one of the trailers, it sounded like, you know, some, somebody says something like, uh, you know, oh, those were all rumors or something like that. You know what I mean? Do yeah. They, it's about him, her being the sister. Right, and they okay. said that's just some rumors people made up. No, they, they totally shut down the other sequels. There's The only thing that's referenced is kind of for the fans knowing that they exist mm-hmm. as nods. Interesting. Um, but yeah, it's its own animal. It's fine. I want to rewatch it to kind of see yeah. uh, where it goes from there. Um, so next up was... Um, we don't like talking about this one because this is one of my favorites of the festival, uh, Lords of Chaos, oh, which um, it's it's played a couple places. Um, but this was, uh, I think, the Texas premiere of it. Um, I'm not sure how many places Lords of Chaos has played, but a lot of people have seen it. Yeah. So Lords of Chaos is based off um, the story of a band called Mayhem that existed in um, the early 90s. Uh, Mayhem consisted of, um, I, I can't remember, I can never pronounce their real names. But anyways, this guy, uh, the lead singer, or uh, the lead guitarist and the creator of the band, Euronymous, mm-hmm. um, uh, basically created this band called uh, Mayhem. And as far as the story is, and also this is based off a book from the 90s, um, kind of uh, depicting uh, the story of these guys and what they went through. Uh, Mayhem went through some shit with their lead singer. They picked up uh, a guy named Christian, who then later became Varg Virkinis, who then became Burzum, which is everybody kind of knows him as Burzum. Um, he is um, known to burn down uh, a few churches in Norway and be the killer of Euronymous. Uh, he went to prison for that and everything like that. Um, so the film... Um, Starts as the beginning of creating mayhem till the death of or murder of Euronymous. Uh, the film is excellent. It goes by the book pretty hard. Um, 
it uh, there's a lot of stories that developed, like as far as lies um, that developed in this um, kind of book of the band telling lies mm-hmm. in order to try to become more famous. Um, but anyways, it, it's a really crazy movie that a lot of crazy shit happens, but all of it really happened. Um, but at the same time, they also expose them for the kind of lies that they told, which I thought was very clever. There's also a lot of subtle comedy. And I had a Twitter thread not you know a few days ago about it because I saw a few people complaining like, you know, this is supposed to be a serious movie, but we're laughing. And the reason why we're laughing is that these guys would wake up in the morning, they would kiss their mom goodbye, then they would go put on leather pants and black jackets and put on makeup and, you know, sing about Satan yeah. and then have parties where they're, you know, in concerts where they're sacrificing animals and drinking their blood. But they go home and they take off the makeup and they sit down in their underwear with red socks and they fucking eat a bowl of Lucky Charms and watch, you know, Valley Girl. Like that's that's who these guys are. You know, they're not they're not sleeping in coffins and fucking eating bats for dinner. Like these are just normal dudes. I mean, they were kids. They were like 18, 19, 20 yeah. when all this happened. That it's just kind of ridiculous that this even happened. I mean, it is horrifying because mm-hmm. they really did burn down churches. Some people were murdered. Um, but it also is very silly. You know, I even yeah. Like did a quote the other day when I, I like screen capped a mayhem song or a Burzum song and you know one of the lines of the movie he's like you know Varg goes in the studio and he's like I want one microphone in the center of the room that's it and Euronymous is like that's gonna sound like shit and he goes that's the fucking point <laughs> and people laughed and I was like no that's how they recorded that music yeah like that's the reason why black certain black metal bands have that sound is because that's what they're doing. You know, they hooked up their amps, they played into a fucking microphone, one microphone to pick up everything. Um, so there is, and there's also like Rory Culkin's amazing in this movie, by the way. He's such a, such a good actor, you know, is he, and he, uh, he, he plays Iran. Are they speaking English or are they speaking Norwegian? No, it's all, all English. Okay. Yeah. Cause I know one of um, the, um, Skarsgards, a uh, uh, little Skarsgard is in it. All these scars guards um, getting in films. You know, it's it, he must be one of the other little brothers. I yeah. don't know which one. I think he he's. Was. The, I think he plays the drummer. Well, the drummer was Hellhammer. I don't know who that was as the actor. Hold on one second. Yeah, I believe the drummer's Hellhammer, or so, maybe Hellhammer's the bassist. So scars guard. I mean, it's funny. He, you, you see, I saw an interview, and you look him in the eyes, and it's it's freaking, uh, you know, it. You know what I mean? Uh, he plays Faust. I don't know who Faust is? So not mm, yeah, not Hellhammer. That, that Sorry, was, Faust. I think that was a later member okay. of the band. Right. Maybe he has kind of a cameo in the okay. film. Okay, so he's in it. Um, but he was in all the main interviews with the director Rory Culkin and everything. So, um, like hmm. Sundance or whatever. So, but yeah, the the oh, scars. Oh, I know, I know who he is. Yeah, yeah. he's yeah. I yeah, he's freaking. I, look him in the eyes. He's, he's, up the names. he's Pennywise. Yeah, well, the thing is, in the film, he has hair over his face okay. the entire time. So that's probably what it is. <laughs> right. um, so, yeah, yeah, Faust. Yeah, he's um, 
he came in, I think he came in later in the band, but anyways, okay, cool. there's so many switch ups with the band. There's been like 30 members. <laughs> um, but anyways, yes, I, like there was even moments where like Rory Culkin like gets out of, get out, get, gets out of the bed and he's got like pink underwear on, you know, not like hot pink, but he's got like pink underwear to use the bathroom. People giggled. Well, that's part of the laughter and humor mm-hmm. of this. These dudes were normal. Right. You know, they just did some really fucked up shit. Yeah, they got in over their heads. Yeah, the only thing that really sucks is the whole, you know, dead suicide, which is horrific on screen, by the way. Oh, my God. And And then um, what? Well, no, you read up the story and and uh, was it Uranus? Uranus. Uranus finds him. I don't know if they do this in the movie, but this is in the story, the, the book, and I think even the documentary. And he kind of like rearranges some things and takes pictures of it and is like yeah you know he yeah, thinks he it's just the coolest to... thing yeah. you know she's like oh my yeah, the story of them you know the band getting together eating dead's brains yeah and yeah using the skulls necklaces <laughs> so yeah Christ. i mean all that happens in in the film and they, okay. they talk about that and talk about you know kind of the yeah, lies between all of that shit but anyways the, the real um, story is is crazy you know, no it's insane yeah yeah um, but anyways, it's a great movie. You don't have to like black metal to like it. There's plenty of other music in the film. They have like Accept and Sodom mm-hmm. and all this other stuff. It's just not strictly a Mayhem and, um, you know, Burzum um, and recording. They, but, uh, and they use Mayhem and Burzum's music in the film. And it's funny because like the because um, Vic, uh, Varg Vikernes, who was... Uh, yeah. What's his What's his name? He's the, he was responsible for the murder he's, of. Uranus. Yeah, yeah, he, he's Christian. Yeah, yeah, that's his name, Christian. Yeah. Which and, they make fun of in the movie, which is funny. <laughs> he's like a blogger, YouTuber, and stuff, and and musician still. Like, and he's very upfront with everything. He even on YouTube he explains how the whole you know murder went down. And he claims it's self defense, but he thinks like the book is shit, and he thinks that the movie. I don't know when this was recorded, but he's like said that, you know, Mayhem never gave uh, permission to use the music and same with Burn, uh, uh, Burzum and, and things like that. But um, but that music's used in the film and they they got all the rights for it. So I don't I, he, yeah. it's just It's a weird he's, thing. He, dude, like, he's fucking crazy, man. Yeah, he's 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 just like he's racist. A crazy dude. He's a bit of a, a little bit of a racist as well. No, he's big time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's big time racist, which, again, I love that they make fun of him in the movie. OK, that's maybe that's why um, he hates it. <laughs> oh, no, they, they, they said, like, you you dress in black and you have your hair over your head and you have a Nazi flag behind you. Is this a joke? Okay. You know, and it's it is. It's a he's a fucking douchebag. Yeah. So, anyways, all right. So next up right. was um, the Greasy Stranglers follow up um, called An Evening with Beverly Loughlin, directed by Jim Jim Hoskins. Um, I'm a big fan of the Greasy Strangler. I know a lot of people were not. Um, I love the comedy and the grossness of Greasy Strangler. This is the Greasy Strangler again. But without the grossness, it's more of a cute story huh. and funny um, in that sense. And it's got a bigger cast. Jermaine Clement, Aubrey Plaza, Craig Robinson's in it. Um, and it's got all the people basically from Greasy Strangler. Um, but yeah, it's it's just a really cute and funny and weird movie. Very, very, very weird. So if you like stuff like Tom Goes to the Mayor, uh, Tim and Eric, um, Napoleon Dynamite, You'll like An Evening with Beverly Laughlin. 
Um, oh, and like the Mighty Boosh and stuff like that, too, if you ever watch those shows. Um, next up was one of my favorites of the fest, uh, Luz, L-U-Z, which was a movie that was first-time director shot on 16. Um, it is awesome. It feels totally like it's hard to believe this film was made last year when it looks like it's pulled directly out of 1978. Um, it has the look, it has the feel, it has the music. Um, this girl, uh, cab driver, she goes into a police station and she says this demon is following her. And then it's, uh, the police station who kind of tries to help her. And the demon gets into the police station and starts doing his shit. It's not action-packed and stuff like that. It's very lo-fi Euro horror. Mm. So uh, mainly just possession and lots of uh, discussions, talking, fever dreamish, nudity, that type of thing. But really, really great film. Um, next up, I hope this movie gets released. I don't think it will. I mean, it will, but it's going to be some like niche art house label that because I think everybody's going to be afraid to touch it. Um, that said, wow, I would release it. Um, so uh, it's called Knife Plus Heart. Um, it is a slasher film that is a giallo, but it is centered around uh, porn. Okay. Gay porn. Oh, okay. So there is a lot of man-on-man action, um, which, you know, a lot of people are cool with. But, of course, those immature people don't know how to take, you know, gay men fucking or kissing or whatever it is. Um, but it's very, very touchy. Um, it's very sweaty. So, I, <laughs> you know, I could tell, like, a lot of people would be uncomfortable <laughs> watching this movie. However, I fucking loved it. Um, but yeah, it's a slasher where this guy is killing um, uh, uh, gay actors um, in porno, porno, pornographic films. Um, it's got a great soundtrack. M83 did the soundtrack for it, um, which is funny because I'm th- seeing like got solid thing. I was like, why did M83 do the soundtrack <laughs> to a foreign gay giallo film? And the director was the first question in the Q&A, and the director was there. And they were like, how did you get M83 to do the music for your movie? And he goes, it's easy. I just asked him to. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, well, that's easy. And he goes, and he's like, and they're like, well, how Like, how did it go? And he goes, well, I just called my brother, and he said he'd do it. And it's actually the director <laughs> is the brother of the guy that's in M83. Nice. Which I thought was really cute and funny. But yeah. anyways, I think uh, most yeah, it's, bands it's like, really good. It's gory. Yeah. I think most bands would be up for doing soundtrack. And I, I, I don't think it would be oh, that yeah. hard. I, like if you were a, a producer or director and you ask a band to do the score and you feel like they would fit, like I, it's all, it's all a matter of scheduling, scheduling and money. But I think any band would jump at the chance to do that because I think most musicians would like, would kill to score a film, you know? Yeah. And, and that's a hard thing to but break it, into. No, no, I agree. Yeah. I think it's, uh, it's just it's just one of those movies that is perfect to do for electronic soundtrack too. Cool. So um, yeah, it's 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 really good. I hope that it gets released. Um, but yeah, it's 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 pretty awesome. Next up was a rep screening film that I've seen. I actually did not see it at Fantastic Fest. I've kind of grew up on this film, uh, but it's called Bite Fire. 
It's uh, from 1985. Um, Robert McGinty is in it, who you may know from The Exterminator. Mm. So um, it stars um, a, a guy. I haven't seen the movie in a couple year, few years, so you bear with me while I try to unravel the plot in my head because <laughs> I wasn't prepared for this. Um, so there's this character. His name's Bo. And his parents were murdered when he was little. Um, and he has a sister and they grow up years later. Um, they live in the desert and um, they find they're like diamond hunters or whatever. So they find a diamond um, and then a bunch of people find out that uh, they have the diamond and they go after it. White fire is insane because that plot sounds normal, but there's bloodshed. <laughs> there's chainsaw fights. This movie has everything. Car chases, chases on foot, great soundtrack. Um, it's chaotic. It's such an in interesting and insane movie. Um, and hopefully it gets released over here in America. This was a restoration by a French company who is releasing it um, on Blu-ray. But anyways, yeah, White Fire needs to happen. Um, next up was a film that I did not care for. This is the only film that I did not like at Fantastic Fest. And I can't really speak too much on it because I was really bored. Um, <laughs> it's called The Wolf House. The Wolf and House? And it's an yeah, it's called. It's an animated movie. Um, it's an hour long. It's about a woman that kind of goes into captivity. No, not captivity. That's when you're being captured. Isolation, <laughs> and lives with these two pigs. Okay. And I don't know. Some weird shit happens. <laughs> <laughs> the 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 animations. All right. Yeah. Um, next you know up, what, what really what, what really like breaks me off of an animated film is when the animation's like like not good you know what I mean like yeah for example uh, Tenacious D did some sort of web series and uh, they say it's animation but it's more like uh, like a I don't know like a narrated graphic novel it's shit and I will not watch it just because how bad it looks is it or is it is the animation just shoddy or did you just like no no the animation's really good it's huh. a mixture between drawings and paper mache huh interesting yeah yeah i don't know so. animation's weird for me because i can kind of it's hit or miss where some things will be really cr critically acclaimed and i'll watch it and i'll just not really like it because of the based on the animation so interesting yeah hmm um, next up is a, um, a film that I saw a while ago. Um, so there is a, um, filmmaker. She, I believe, I believe she's passed away. Um, but anyways, she was a female director. She did everything. Um, and she made, I believe that she only had one movie. She did a few shorts other than that. So her name's Sarah Jacobson. She did this, uh, short film, Called I was a teenage serial killer, which uh, played as well as her feature Mary Jane's not a virgin anymore. Um, so it kind of takes 
they're pretty inspiring films from a female filmmaker because it takes kind of the the riot girl uh, aspect um, with kind of this do-it-yourself um, spirit films um, and just really kind of show like <laughs> the big thing is like cat calling in the film and you just get fucking murdered or killed or you know anything it's just how she handles it in her films but anyways she, she I believe she passed away but um, Agfa is doing this restoration of um, her short and her feature film um, and I highly suggest uh, picking them up it's a Mary Jane's not a virgin anymore is a great kind of coming of age uh, movie that kind of glimpses on everything from, you know, growing up to getting a job to liking a boy uh, to figure, you know, to, to, to even fitting in with the right crowd. But yeah, a really great film. Um, I highly suggest checking it out. And I would like to see the restoration of that. What's it called? One um, more time? Next, What's it called? Mary Jane's not a virgin. Mary anymore. Jane's not. I'm writing all these down. Mary Jane's not yeah. a virgin anymore. And then uh, next up was uh, Donnybrook, which I really, really enjoyed. Uh, Jamie Bell and Frank Grillo are in this. It is a movie, quote unquote, bare knuckle boxing, but there's not too much bare knuckle boxing in it. It's about this guy who is completely down on his luck that gets to trying to get to a place called Donnybrook um, that where he's able to enter into a bare knuckle boxing competition. On the side, Frank Grillo plays a bad guy this time, and he is a meth-making, murdering fiend, and he's going to Donnybrook, too, to find this guy and his sister, Um, Frank Grillo's sister. Uh, Pat Healy makes an appearance, which is fun. He's pretty much the best part of the movie. It doesn't have (laughs) a very big role, but he's great. Um, But yeah, I think it's pretty intense. Um, You know, it's, it's another road movie. Um, don't go in thinking you're seeing, you know, Creed, <laughs> but it has a pretty good buildup. Um, I thought the ending fell a little flat with the bare knuckle boxing portion, but I think they're trying to keep a realistic approach to the film and not make out this like 21 round boxing match between two guys. Um, cause all in all, Frank Grillo would fucking murder people. Yeah. Well, he does. He murders everybody. That dude is um, so damn ripped. He put, he posted a picture of himself shirtless a while ago and I was just like, fuck, I was just, I just gave up. It's like, I'm just going to eat cheeseburgers the <laughs> rest of my life. There's no way. Um, so next up was uh, Starfish, which was a very unique film, kind of a genre mashup film about a woman that is uh, traveling and she goes to stay at a friend's place. And when she wakes up, the entire town is gone and she realizes these creatures are uh, in the streets. Um, however... The film is not really a creature feature because it goes into how the world is ending and she can save it by this (laughs) mixtape that her friend left her clues for. So she goes through um, different realities and around town trying to find these tapes in order to create this song that will transmit the signal to end to save the world interesting very unique and weird movie um it is something that you will never see and nothing like it exists and it's a movie that is fine a lot of people liked it more than me and i see (laughs) why i just wasn't that big of a fan 
Is, um, do you think mixtapes are going to, like, there's going to be a generation that's going to be like, I don't know what you mean by mixtape. You know what I mean? Well, they totally do mixtapes. Yeah, like it's tape tapes, not yeah, CDs. Like, no, like, there's no, is is there a, is there like a parallel to that in, in today's day and age? I don't, I, I don't think there is. Playlists. Well, there's playlists. I guess. Yeah, I guess. But like. Yeah, I tell you what, man. The magic of the I used to I used to make mixtapes for my little girlfriends, man, and I was the master at the mixtape. I bet you were. I'd make the custom I artwork and everything. So you can't do that with a fucking playlist. You know what I'm saying? Oh, here's a playlist. Yeah. Link my playlist. No, kids don't even know what's up. This has been old um, man. This has been old man DeRigger talking. <laughs> 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 All right, what you got? What's what's next? Um, well, Maniac played, which everybody kind of seen that, so I don't really need to talk Maniac, about that. Maniac, oh, oh, Maniac, the, the rest- new, new, yeah, new restoration. Restoration, yeah, okay. Um, Does it look even grittier and up, sweatier? God. I did not see it. I was just talking about Maniac. Oh, no, but did, did anyone, did anyone report oh, back no, to you? Oh, they loved it. Yeah, yeah, they loved it. They thought it was I mean, that great. movie's like so greasy and grimy and gritty. Like, probably the most greasy and grimy, gritty, like, New York movie I've ever seen in my life. Like you feel mm, yourself, you feel like messy when Vice you watch Squad. Vice Squad. Yeah, watch Vice Squad. Okay. That will really fuck you okay. up. Or Drill Killer. Yeah. Um, gotcha. So next up was the Netflix movie. Um, I was very, very excited to see this. Is by the director of The Raid and The Raid Two. Um, his film Apostle was Stan Stevens, where a man goes um, on a trip to go to this um, isolated island where these members of this church are holding his sister hostage. And, you know, obviously it's like a cult that is doing this. That movie, that plot was my, gave me a boner. Mm-hmm. It's giving me a the, boner right now. The movie, however, gave me a micro penis. God damn um, it. I did not really care for this movie. No, Brad, is, you're supposed to. You're, no, this is wrong. You got it wrong. It's it's just <laughs> it does more or less like folklore than it does like a cult aspect. Uh, the movie's pretty interesting for a good portion. I just thought it wasn't that great. Interesting. Our our so, friend uh, our friend the Wolfman. Who we really need to get back on the podcast, by the way. I've been meaning to talk to you uh, about him. Yeah, he said it was very reminiscent of a cure for wellness, where it just kind of throws yeah, just way too much, but it also drags. But it drags super hard. But see, I like to cure for wellness just because it gets just bonkers. A by cure the for end. wellness is better than apostle. Oh man, no bonkers. I well, it, it does, but it doesn't. Uh, you, um, but anyways, I was uh, not happy with, okay. with that movie. Well, see, I mean, it's fine. Well, see, no, it's like a two and a half out of five. I'll probably love it just because my expectations will be just down. So maybe, maybe yeah. this is a good thing. But yeah, yeah, maybe. All right, stop yawning, man. You're gonna make our listeners fall asleep as they're driving. <sighs> you can hear me yawn. Oh man, I was trying to be quiet. <laughs> um. So next up was uh, The Quake, which is a sequel to The Wave from a few years ago. Um, so the family is back at it <laughs> again, <laughs> <laughs> this time in an earthquake. <laughs> I was going to ask you when, you when you tweeted about it, I was like, is it going to be the same guy? Yeah, it's <laughs> the same guy. 
It's like die uh, hard, but I, I love hope it. to continue making movies with this with this family that keeps Most on getting unlucky into shit. family ever. So, um, <laughs> but anyways, it's fine. Um, I think it spends way too much time with the family and exposition before it actually gets into the quake. Because mm. at least with the wave, the wave happened like right away, and they were dealing with shit. Yeah, yeah. Because like, a lot the of quake after, doesn't aftermath. actually happen until the end of the movie, and they're trying to all save one another. I mean, it is it, it's decent movie. Yeah. Um, it was just I wish that they paid more attention to the actual quake because we already know who these people are. Mm-hmm. Um, next up was a film. All right, I'll be honest with this one. This was won the jury award as favorite film of the fest. Okay. Um, I didn't meet one person that disliked this movie. Okay. Um, Except and I say you. that because. <laughs> No, no, no. All right. Here's what happened is I was told that I have to make it past the first 30 minutes because I'm going to sit there thinking what the fuck is happening? What's going on? Why am I watching this movie? And I did. I was like watching it. And then the next 30 minutes happened and I was waiting for my check. This is the one of the first movies ever I was ready to walk out of. Like, I don't walk out of movies. I don't turn movies off, no matter how bad they are. I was just, it was midnight. I was really fucking tired. (laughs) I was struggling to stay awake. And um, it's called One Cut of the Dead. And it's one of the biggest films in Japan right now. Um, So, Jay Hawkinson tells me. Um, But anyways, it's like like breaking records uh, (laughs) left and right over in Japan. Um, so anyways, it is a first 30 minutes is a one shot, uh, zombie film. Mm. And then it goes on from a different story, from a different perspective from there. And I really don't want to tell you what happens with the second and third act because I feel that's part of the charm. Um, however, my bill came right when the third act starts. And I was sitting there, and I was like, oh, that's kind of neat. And then I watched it, and I was like, oh, man, this is great. And the last 30 minutes are amazing. Um, but it takes forever to get there. So I know that will be a fan favorite. I know people will love it. It's just I highly suggest watching it. I'm in the minority. Um, but if people find the first hour of it semi-enjoyable – and you'll be fine because the last thirty minutes are some of the best best movie I've ever seen. Would you say like last, the it's film, amazing? It's really great. Would you say the finale? It itself. Okay. Would you say the finale builds upon what's been presented? You know what I'm saying? Like oh yeah yeah. I'll, so I'll it's tell like you like off ultimate payoff. Yeah. Oh no, it's a huge payoff. Okay, it's great. All right, so yeah. this is a movie that's going to reward your patience, and I'm fine with that. Like, that's, oh. There's no, plenty of movies huge. like that. Yeah, okay. it's like I was ready to walk out, and I did. Wow! But a lot. Yeah. What, what's great about, about about movies like that is you're kind of rewarded on the rewatch. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think the rewatch factor on this one's big. Okay, and cool. I might actually rewatch it because now I know what's happening. Right. Awesome. Um. So, uh, next up was <clears throat> Vinegar Syndrome's oh, restoration premiere of Sudden Fury. <laughs> Um, Peter Kowalski, um, introduced this movie for us and he did a great job because he said 
It's like Blood Simple, but Canadian, and called it Maple Simple, <laughs> which I think is perfect because it perfectly sums up the film. Um, so Sudden Fury is about a man and a woman that are driving, and he propositions his wife to give him some money for a business he wants to start. And she respectfully denies him the money, <laughs> and he soon realizes that his wife is planning on leaving him. And that's oh. one of the reasons why she doesn't give him money. So he attempts. Oh, he gets. So they into don't a have a joint accident. account. They don't have a joint account. No, apparently. no joint account. Interesting. Okay. So he um, runs off the road accidentally, and she's severely injured. And so, in a way, for him to inherit the money, he leaves her for dead. <laughs> um, in the meantime, a passerby. Um, is that what you call him? passerby on the car? Passerby. Is that a like correct thing? Passerby. Passerby? Well, anyways, yeah. this guy sees the car and helps the woman, and she unfolds the story. Oh, so he tries shoot. to hunt down the husband, <laughs> and it gets crazy. Yeah, um, so I'm in. it becomes a cat and mouse game of this guy track. It's it's unlike. I was happy how the how the screening went because as Vinegar Syndrome released crazy movies, mm-hmm. um, the unwanted children of of uh, <laughs> cinema and a lot of our stuff is goofy and i didn't want people to think this is going to be like raw force part two or something it's a very standard it wouldn't be bad though very no it wouldn't but i didn't want people to think that gotcha, and it's okay. actually just a really tame thriller okay um, right it's not but some, anyways some it's, it's great yeah and it's a great movie so check it out i think it hits in november dude the the plot um, the, the plot synopsis man i'm in yeah it's it's totally a great in. movie man it's fantastic yeah um. Next up was um. Let's see, Cam. Um, this was a little bit lower on my list. It is about a webcam girl who does her little nudie shows. Oh. Um, and is making money trying to break the top fifty. Um, and it's a really hard gamble out there with all these, uh, you know, cute ladies yes, doing uh, all these nudie shows, right? Um, and there. then one day she logs in or she tries to log in and she can't. And then she realizes that her webcam is still going <gasps> with her, but she's not the one in the picture. Oh shit. It's looks like her. It sounds like her. So she tries to figure out why this is all happening. Hmm. That's about it. <laughs> um, next up. <laughs> Is was it, uh, is it is it like it's not one of those movies where it's like through the computer, is it? No, okay, no, no it's uh, not the the title Cam. There's that. There's this one show. One uh, one one show is it? Wait, this one movie with what's the actor? His last name's Cho. He played Scotty. He's no, not Scotty. God damn it! I'm I'm failing right now. Is John Cho. John Cho. Is there a movie with John, John? Is there a movie with John Cho where he's on like a webcam or something. Oh, um, the movie that was produced by the guy that did Night Watch. I guess. Yeah, I can't remember the name okay. of the movie. It I, played a fantastic. I have film. zero or South by urge to see that film at all, but people say it's good. It's actually it's actually pretty good. Yeah. Weird. I, so I can't weird. think of it. Profile. I think it's the name of the Profile. Movie. Profile. Okay. Profile. Um, Damn. See, you see like how it get these all confused. It's nothing like Unfriended. It's nothing okay. like uh, Open Windows. It's nothing like The Den. Um, okay. it's 
All those movies are better than Cam. Um, <laughs> so Terrified was one of the next ones. This is a Shutter movie. This movie's really fucking good. It's really scary. What's it called? Um, you just Sorry. Terrified. Ter- oh, um, terrified. Okay. You have to kind of give it a chance to warm up, and once it does, it's full throttle. Gotcha. This is what it's that really good. Clown, It'll right? Be on. I think no. That's Terrifier. Fuck. Okay. I'm fair. Um. So Terrified is basically this woman who gets into a um. Well, it's actually a street that is uh, having some weird shit happen on the street. And our main uh, woman is being haunted by voices and all this other stuff of trying to repair this house. And yeah, shit goes fucking crazy. There's some shit. There's some creatures or people, I guess, whatever they may be, but they're fucking scary. Um, it's very good. I can't really dive into much more because it's a big spoiler. Okay. But it'll be on Shutter, I think, this month. Cool. Um, but definitely watch it. Uh, next up was, I guess this is premiering on sci-fi in a week, which is weird because this movie could have been bigger than it was. I mean, this could have been like, I don't know why Shudder didn't pick this up because this could be, I mean, it's not great, but this movie would definitely get a lot of attention, especially like on Netflix. Um, so it's called, you might be the killer. It's the first movie based on a Twitter thread. Oh, shit how they uh, put it but it actually (laughs) is very interesting awesome um it is basically uh fran fran kranz and Alyssa hannigan uh, are the stars so it opens up with fran kranz covered in blood and he's like running from this killer on this camp and uh, it's very meta it's very like final girls-esque uh scream type thing and uh you know very bumbling comedy type um, he gets on the phone and he calls her and he's like, Hey, you know, I need you to help me. And this is actually, I went back to read the t- Twitter thread and it's the fucking movie. It's the plot. Um, and he calls her and he's like, Hey, I, you know, this killer's after me. She's like, well, I didn't call the cops. And he's like, Oh, um, you know, they're too far away, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, talking and she's like, how are you, you know, what's going on? Where's the killer? How many are dead? And he's like, all of them are dead. And, um, she was like, you know, this is weird. Are you covered in blood? And he's like, yeah, I'm covered in blood. She's like, why are you covered in blood? Is it your blood? And he's like, no, I think it's other people's blood. And she's like, well, do you have any type of weapon with you? He's like, I got a knife. And she's like, okay, why do you have a knife? And he's like, I don't know. I must have picked it up somewhere. She's like, well, do you have like a mask with you? And he's like, yeah, I got a mask in my bag. And it turns out like this big thing where they're trying to decide if he's a fucking killer or not. It's pretty interesting. Um, it's not a spoiler. You learn that very quickly. And if you look up the Twitter thread, it's there. Um, it, there's a lot more to the movie than that. But it's very it's very Final Girls-esque type uh, comedy. And okay. But Final Girls is a better movie. Um, Final Girls up, is, as they say, banging. That's the, new, that's the new word, banging. Okay, cool. Oh, dude, that movie's um, banging. That movie's banging. It's a banger. <laughs> Next up a banger. was a film that Sorry. wasn't a banger Okay. Um, <laughs> called The Night Shifter, which Shudder also picked up. Um, I saw a rough cut of this movie, and I like the rough cut a lot better than I saw this version. Mm. Uh, music wasn't done. Soundtrack wasn't done. Um, so it's basically this mortician who is able to talk to the dead. Um, in the version I saw, 
the mouths and eyes didn't move. It was just a voice you heard. <laughs> well, apparently they didn't think that was believable, so they CGI'd faces on all the dead bodies, and huh. it's really, really bad CGI, uh, and it takes you out of the movie a little bit. Really? And it's this guy who uses the knowledge of the dead in order to try to make his life better. Pretty interesting plot. It's fine. Um, next up was Savage. Um, funny story about this movie. This movie's fine. Johnny Depp's daughter's in it. It's about two kids that, uh, where these people are missing, um, in this camp. It's not like a camp camp. It's like campers and stuff with families where this leopard is roaming around, um, this horror writer lives next to him and it kind of spirals out of control of, you know, this so-called leopard and these missing people and dead people and whatnot. Movie's fine. Um, however, I got this mixed up with a movie called girls with balls. <laughs> that was at the movie. And I just think it was funny. That it was that movie. Cause girls with balls is about these girls that get trapped out in the woods with these cult rednecks. So I'm sitting through Savage thinking, when is Johnny Depp's daughter going to meet the fucking rednecks? We're like an hour into this movie. Like, what the fuck's happening? No, wrong movie. Movie's fine. Um, it's fine. Uh, next up was a movie that is out on Netflix right now. It's Jeremy Solner's follow-up to Green Room called Hold the Dark, mm -hmm. based off the book. It is okay. Um, I People are losing their shit over this movie. I think the movie's just fine. There's not a lot going for it, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's, I feel like the movie doesn't yeah. know what it wants to be. There's way too much going on yeah. in this movie. Like, at first, I think it's survival against wolves. It turns into be like kind of a kind of a proto slasher in a way. Mm -hmm. It's just it's a really weird mix. Um, it just didn't grab me I, like, I, I think uh, it's based on a book and maybe yeah. that's the detriment of it because i i feel like there's an idea there but yeah there's way too much going on because you're in like alaska and then with this guy who's hunting wolves and then all of a sudden you're in afghanistan uh, with another character yeah. and all the characters connect but um i right. did, did want to say because of all the shit that was going on someone tweeted out on on twitter saying like you know watch out there's a rape scene in it but um if you watch it in context like i i really wouldn't worry if if it's if that's something triggering it's a it's something you have it, it's something that you have seen if you've seen any world war ii film or band of brothers or anything like that it's a fucked up moronic uh soldier taking advantage of a situation but it's remedied very quickly so i'm saying um, cause a lot of people are like, well, I'm going to hold off and watch it then. Um, I would say, yeah, don't, I mean, don't any, let that any, sway you. I, I would say, yeah, I guess any rape scene could be triggering, but this one right. is quickly resolved and, you know, pretty brutal too. So gets, yeah, gets it, uh, yeah, gets yeah, his. Yeah. So, but anyways, the movie's fine. Whatever. It's okay. I, I'm, um, yeah, I, as a follow up to green room, man, I was very, yeah, I was not. I was expecting it's, it, more. I it's guess it's good. I like know. the the lead actor, I forget his name, but he's 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 in Westworld. Um, he's a fantastic actor. Yeah, but his um, name. and then of course there's a Skarsgård in this. Skarsgård. Yeah, more Skarsgård. Um, but uh, but yeah, I was uh, I don't know. I'm a bit torn on it. It's 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 well done. Yeah, I wasn't. 
I wasn't a huge fan of them. Mm. Um, so next up was the world premiere of a movie that opens up in November called Overlord, oh. which is not the fourth Cloverfield movie. Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, I, I, you know what I was going to say? If it was the fourth Cloverfield movie, I would have been pissed because uh, just give me a fucking Nazi zombie movie. That's all I want. Honestly, I think it could have been a fourth Cloverfield movie <laughs> if they just added something at the end. Well, that's what um, they've been doing to these. Yeah. So anyways, <laughs> Overlord is a... Um, you know, people say Nazi zombies, which, I mean, some of them are Nazis, but it's more or less a monster movie yeah. than it is uh, a zombie movie. But anyways, it's about a group of um, soldiers that are meant to knock down this tower in order for these planes to cross into enemy territory. And while they're trying to do that, they stumble across a lab that is turning people into monsters, a.k.a. zombies, whatever. Overlord is very fun. Um, it's very great. It's very loud. It blew out the speakers at uh, the theater because I guess Paramount wanted to play it louder than it should have been. Uh, um, I mean, it didn't. It just popped, I guess, some like a fuse or something. It didn't like bust speakers, but it was really fucking loud. Um, it's great. Um, I loved it. I can't believe we have a multi-million dollar um, zombie monster zombie uh nazi thing going on with jj abrams behind it kind of shows his real side of loving b cinema because that's what it feels like it doesn't feel like it should be in the theater like i mean that in a good way like Mm -hmm. i feel like this is more of an independent movie um but it's big and nasty and really great and uh uh, Wyatt Russell is definitely channeling his dad in this, nice. which is really nice. good. So it's his biggest role. Um, but yeah, he's great. There's a part in the movie where I think it's in the trailer. He shoots a Tommy gun um, and it is beautiful. <laughs> like it's just fu- fucking on rattling off like 30 rounds, like nonstop. Awesome. This is um, one that I'm yeah, for sure going to make a trip to the theater to see. Yeah, it's I'm definitely a support big the fuck movie. out of this movie, everybody. Um, so next up is, I want to say this is my favorite film of Fantastic Fest, but this would be also weird saying that because it's not a good movie. That makes sense? No, it doesn't. But I will go into detail. There's a new Nicolas Cage movie coming out (laughs) called Between Worlds. It is the most fun and most entertaining movie I have ever seen. Um... I will just give you the plot of this movie, and it's going to blow and melt your mind. So Nicolas Cage plays a, uh, a truck driver. His name's Joe. One night on a routine pit stop, he goes into the bathroom, and he notices a man strangling a woman. So he decides to intervene and stop this man from strangling this woman mm-hmm. played by uh Franke potente who plays in run lola run and born movies um and saves her quote unquote saves her immediately this woman is angry that nicholas cage saved her or joe joe saved her we'll just call him nick cage nick cage <laughs> saved her from this strangulation because if she's on the brink of of death she's able to astral project 
to grab a soul and take it back to its body. What? On the side story, oh no, this it gets better. <laughs> On the side note, her daughter recently was in a motorcycle accident and she is on her deathbed so she asked joe nick cage to take her to the hospital and her daughter is dying she's dead nick cage strangled me in the hallway and actually in the stairwell of the hospital mm. so nick okay. cage proceeds to put his hands around her neck and choke her and she goes into the nether world and grabs a soul and takes it back to her daughter. Drum roll. <laughs> she didn't, she doesn't grab the soul of her daughter. She grabs the soul of Nick Cage's dead wife. Oh, shit. So Nick Cage then falls for the mom, and it turns into a Nick Cage fuckfest in this movie. <laughs> he has sex probably a total of six times in the film. <laughs> And then proceeds oh to fall in God. love with the daughter, no. who is like 18. Okay, okay. Thank you for that distinction. So Otherwise, and, I would have written off this film immediately. And falls in love That's with her and creepy. bangs her down, That's too. still kind of creepy. This movie is insane. <laughs> like, that's just the plot, man. I'm not talking about the acting, the fucking... Nicholas Cage like firing on seventeen cylinders. Are we are we in an are we in a Nicholas Cage Renaissance? Dude, I this like... movie is so good. <laughs> I was sick at the end of this movie because I was laughing so fucking hard. <laughs> I couldn't contain myself. Awesome. I couldn't contain myself. Awesome. Um it's great. I can't wait for it to come out. Um, for fans of Neil Breen and Tommy Wiseau, it's like if they got together and did a film together for <laughs> Cinemax in 1995. <laughs> There's so much sex in this movie. It's insane. Oh, um, man. Next up. How old is Nicolas 20... Cage, Cage at this point? Well, he looks like he's in his 50s in the movie. Hold on. I'm going to do some math. Dude, it's so born... He was born he actually, in nine. He, he actually. He was born in nineteen sixty-four. Actually, like reads like this, like Shakespeare, where he's fucking somebody. He's fifty-four. Okay, he's fifty-four. Okay, all right. So he's fifty-four, and then he fucks an eighteen-year-old. Yeah, <clears throat> I think I don't know how old she is, but I mean, she's she's definitely a you know living at home. <laughs> um. So next up was oh, uh, I can't remember how to yeah. pronounce this guy's first name, but uh, uh, Pet Padreg. Padraig uh, Reynolds. He directed uh, *Rites of Spring* and uh, *Dead Dolls*. *Demon Dolls*. Can't remember the name of it now. Sure. *Demon Dolls*. I don't know. *Dead Girls*. *Dead Dolls*. Anyways, um, so anyways, follow up. Open twenty four hours. It is about a girl that has recently been released from uh, prison. Um, because she set her boyfriend on fire um, and you realize why she set her boyfriend on fire and she's working at a gas station one night and shit goes crazy. It's fine. It's good. Um, the devil's dolls, next, by the way, the devil's, the devil's dolls, the devil's mm -hmm. dolls. Okay. Yeah. I was pretty much, I got yeah. most yeah. of the words yeah. correct yeah. on that. Um, next up was uh, shadow, which was really, really good. 
Um, it's Zhang Yamao's new film. He directed um, like Hero and House of Flying Daggers okay. and stuff like that. Awesome. Uh, this is his best looking film, but not his best movie. Hmm. Um, it is very Shakespearean Whoa. in the first like hour. <laughs> There's just a lot of talking and a lot of politics that are going on. Um, and then it turns into be this fucking action masterpiece. Um, it's really, really great. It's very odd, the approach of the film, because all his movies have been very colorful. Mm-hmm. All this is very, like, gray, white, and black. Yeah, was, it's not a black say, and white movie. It's just okay. all the colors are very muted. Every picture I'm so, looking yeah, at looks uh, uh, black and white. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful looking movie, and it gets really insane as far as fighting goes. Is it more like monochrome? Um, would you say like? Yeah, I guess you could say. But that. it looks. I mean, everything they were looks going black for and like white. a. They were going for like a yin and yang thing. Huh. So yin yang is very uh, prominent in the film. Interesting. Um, okay. Next up was a rep screening for uh, the Shadow Video movie called Blood Lake. Uh, Agfa and Bleeding Skulls putting this out. It is a lot of fun with an audience. It's been a while since I've seen it, so I went to go see it. Um, mainly because I love Zach Carlson, and he's part of Bleeding Skull. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it's really fun with an audience, and we cracked up and had a good time. So definitely check that out when it comes out. Uh, next up was um, Werewolf. I think they need to change the title of this movie, because I think it's a little deceiving with the title called Werewolf. That title even though so... there's Blah. There's nothing that, like yeah. There's no. nothing to show. Like people are going to be upset. It's not a werewolf movie. It's very from not a werewolf movie from the very get go. It's actually a really good movie. Um, it's about a bunch of Jewish children that escape a compound and take shelter into a nearby home, and but they are being hunted by trained German shepherds by the Nazis. And they, it's a siege movie of these dogs trying to attack these children. Oh, wow. It's pretty good. I huh. liked it quite a bit. Yeah, I um, guarantee you that title is probably going to change. I can't even find it on, yeah. on IMDb right now. Yeah, it's, um, you have to search for it for a little bit. Do you know who the director is? Uh, not off the top of my head. Fuck. Okay. I'm trying to find it's it right now. It's a foreign film. It's a foreign film. Mm. That's why. Um, Adrian Panic. It's also in under 90 minutes, which really works for that movie. Adrian Pennick. Um So next up was The Secret Screening, which was the remake of, um, you know what? No. It's the re-envisioning <laughs> of Suspiria. Um, probably one of my favorites, if not my favorite from the fest. This is perfect. It's everything that I wanted and even more than I didn't expect to be done um it is nothing like the original something Good. completely different um it is a beautiful movie it's scary it's sexy um it's also horrifying um i'm not gonna oh, i'm not gonna say that because that would kind of be a spoiler it gets bloody and it gets nasty okay um so yeah, it's a lot of fun. Tom York's score was weird. It works, but I feel like he got the wrong, like they were like, Hey, you want to score Suspiria? <laughs> He's like, yeah. They're like, all right, here's this goblin score. Listen to this. But they accidentally slip him 
Fabio Frizzi's The Beyond soundtrack <laughs> because that's what he's doing. He does the Beyond soundtrack. Um, but it still works. It's really good. Um, Tom York did a hell of a job. Um, Luca did a hell of a job. <clears throat> Dakota Johnson's great. Tilda Swinton's great, even though I believe she's playing two roles in the film. Um, <laughs> there's a big debate with Old Man that's in the film that's played by Tilda Swinton, which right. I think it is right. very, very much. Um, but yeah, it's a fantastic, fantastic horror film. Do you think, really wonderful. Do you think that this goes like goes too far off that it shouldn't really have been called Suspiria? Do you feel like um, this no, technically is, is it, it, does it, do, okay. do you still get the remake vibes from it? Or no, here's where I get hate <clears throat> is that Suspiria is a wonderful movie. Yeah, the original. It is a beautiful movie. However, I think that what gets away from the original film is the plot. Yeah, no, it's, I don't it's believe not there's a, a lot yeah. going on yeah, in the it's movie. Not a plot it's driven very movie. much visual. Yeah, this one is plot driven. Okay, gotcha. And it kind of develops more of the three mothers, the witch aspect, and what's going on. Okay, okay. And it doesn't hold back; it goes right into it, right? Um, which I really liked. So, okay, yeah, cool, it's man. It's a really great movie. I think people will love it. It's been divisive. Some people have seen it already um, that I've been in contact with, and uh, I know a couple didn't didn't like it. But then I've heard a lot of people really liked it. So it's going to be interesting once once this hits, kind of gets out in the theaters and hits, and seeing what the response is going to be like. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see it, and I'm glad. Like, I'm I'm glad it's not some direct carbon copy of Suspiria because I I know and I love Suspiria for what it is. I I, I love it. Yeah, um, it's definitely not a carbon copy okay. at all. Cool, cool. Um, all right, doesn't even really have the same beats, to be honest with you. Yeah, um, and then and that's fine. I don't I don't I don't want yeah. it. I don't I don't want it to. That's why I think it's more of a reimagining, yeah, than a remake. Okay. Um, next up was a film that we programmed at the Florida Film Festival. So this one was weird because it got played like six months later at uh, Fantastic Fest. But it's uh, one of the better films that was at um, Fantastic Fest. It has a screening or picked up by Magnolia, so you'll be able to buy it on Blu-ray, obviously. Um, but it's called The Guilty. Um, it's very much like Locke, but at a desk instead of a car. <laughs> Um, and it's no score. There's no score that plays through the movie. It's a guy on a headset talking to people the entire time. Um, he's a 911 response, you know, um, guy that takes okay. the calls and some shit unveils. And it's basically him at a computer with no score. And the movie is captivating and wow. adrenaline fueled and nothing is fucking happening in the movie other than conversations. Would you say this it is better you, than, uh, the call? Yes. Starring, um, oh, yeah, big time. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Haley Berry. Um, yeah, way better. Um, next up was probably my second, third favorite, other than Between Worlds and Suspiria. Uh, and The Guilty, I don't know, it's hard because there was a lot of good movies that played. Um, was A Night Comes for Us. This will be the most talked about movie of 2018, guaranteed. Um, it hits Netflix in like two weeks. I grew up on horror films. I grew up on action films. I've seen too many horror films in my life, and I've seen too many action films. I believe that The Night Comes for Us, even though there's no horror aspect to it, 
is a horror film. It's more of an action film, but horror elements. This is the bloodiest movie I've ever seen in my entire life. It's the most violent movie I've ever seen in my entire life. It is balls to the walls, fucking nuts. Like, this is the raid times 12. (laughs) If you took the raid one and two, blended them together, that's like... 5% 5% of what the night comes for us. <laughs> Holy so, shit. Okay. uh, Joe Talzum plays, um, can't think of his character's name. He plays in this group that's called, uh, the six C's, seven C's. And it's these seven, six, seven guys that kind of protect the arms, the drugs, the human trafficking of this, uh, syndicate. However, Joe wants out Joe Talzum. And in order to get out, he has got to fight his way out. And that means take on the whole fucking group. Um, There's a point in the movie where they're just fighting and there's like blood and guts and brains (laughs) everywhere. Um, Like we're not talking about one fight scene. Like this movie has so many goddamn fights in it. It's insane. And it's all practical effects pretty much. Like it's nasty. Like, I've never sat in an audience where people were moaning and groaning and being grossed out in at Fantastic Fest. Like, uh, uh, <laughs> screaming at the top of their lungs. Like, oh my fucking God. Like, um, at one point, my buddy ordered something and the waitress, like, because the servers try to duck down while they serve you so that way they're not in the picture. And sometimes if a big scene's going on, they kind of wait in order to take you your stuff. Yeah. So, like, there's this part where they just take this fucking hammer um, and they just start beating the guy in the face. And, like, they hook it into his, like, fucking face and they rip it off and it splits his (laughs) face open and shit. And the waitress just is walking by and she just goes, Jesus fucking Christ. Like, (laughs) you know, like, this movie is just fucking crazy, man. Like, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, it is fucking bloody. It is a moment where they stab this person in the fucking arm. Like, in the, um, I don't know, the forearm. And they just rip the knife down to their hand. Oh, dude. It's fucking brutal. Oh, man. It's bloody shit. It's <laughs> it's fantastic. So October 16th, um, that comes out. Um, next up oh, was... Netflix, uh, right? Did, yeah, yeah, yeah. Netflix movie. So you'll be able to see it in like two weeks. Um, next up was uh, A Restoration. I, I didn't go see this because I have it on um, like a German Blu-ray. It's called Deadly Games. It's a Christmas horror film where this kid that loves Rambo takes on a Santa Claus in his home. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's corny. It's weird. Is, is um, somebody going to be releasing this on Blu-ray? Not in America. Ugh, fuck. It's just got the German Blu-ray release, and that's where that's what presented this was the company. Oh, really? And the director. Yeah. So, so. I mean, so, okay. So, so they're presenting this as possibly maybe someone would pick this up. Right? Or just no? relax. Or no? Just relax. Come on. Just relax. Yeah, it will happen eventually. Do you have some inside information? Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> so anyways, uh, God damn it. may the devil take you. Um, oh, actually, um, 
the guy that directed The Night Comes for Us is the guy that directed The Killers, which is fine movie, but he also his big segment was in Night uh, VHS two with the um, cult and the compound and the devil thing showing up at the end. Um, his name is uh... <sighs> Wow. I can't think of his name. Anyways, hold on, hold on, so he. Up. He had two films at Fantastic Fest Timo, that played back to back. Timo, Tijanto, yeah, Tijanto. Uh, yeah. so anyways, we'll just call him Timo. Timo. So Timo actually Timo. had two films at uh, Fantastic Fest: The Night Comes for Us and May the Devil Take You. They oh, played back to back, and May the Devil Take You. Uh, it was very sweet how he presented this movie, um, because he didn't want to hide from it. He just said. This movie is a version of a movie you have seen <laughs> uh, that I love, and it's basically the Evil Dead. Um, and he made his own Evil Dead movie, and nice. it's really fucking good and really scary, and it's loud as shit and exciting. Uh, so I highly suggest checking that out when it comes. I don't know who's going to pick that up, but it's really fucking good. Um Next up was the movie that I got confused with, Savage, Girls with Balls. <laughs> it is about a pro volleyball team that breaks down in the middle of the woods, and they're attacked by redneck cultists. Huh. And they use their volleyball skills to fight back. Fuck yeah. It is French. It's funny. It's bloody as shit. Um, and it's really good. And it's very um, funny. It's not like, you know, rapey, I spit on your grave. Okay. Um, so that, that was, you know, when you deal with cults and rednecks and pretty girls, right. I was like, about to ask probably what... get that. It doesn't actually go that route. Okay. That's so good. It was pretty good. They do make a couple rape jokes in the film. Um, but I mean, it's, you don't see anything. Dude, volley- um, volleyball girls are fucking badass. Every girl that I've <laughs> known that's been like a good volleyball player, I've not wanted to fuck with them at all. I'm like, cause they can. If they wanted to, they can jump up and smack their arm down and fucking break your skull. Spike your skull down. That don't, sounds scary. Don't fuck with a, with, a, with a volleyball girl. She'll fuck you up. Um, next up was another one of my favorite films, Fantastic Fest, was Jonah Hill's uh, directorial, directorial debut. Uh, shot in Super 16, hmm. actually, and um, stars nobody. Um <laughs> The move, the, all the stars in the film are real skateboarders, aside from the lead character, which has been in a couple movies. But um, yeah, everybody in the film is a non-actor. Um, it is perfect. It's set in the '90s. It's got a great soundtrack. It's got a lot of heart. It's very sad. Uh, it's very funny. What's it called? Have you um, mentioned the title? Mid '90s. Mid '90s. Yeah, A twenty four picked it up, so expect that one soon. Very cool. You uh, had a story. Yeah. Uh, if we can digress a little bit into the story. Oh, yeah, um, I can tell a story about that. But, yeah, because uh, all the negative stuff's ever said at Fantastic Fest. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, I mean, this jo- is something positive. Jonah Hill, especially, like, I really feel like he's kind of coming into his own because um, he's always been known as like just this, you know, kind of buffoonery comedic actor, and he's always been. I I, I love Jonah Hill. Uh, he's in a TV series, a, a Netflix series called Maniac. And I've only seen the first episode, but he's he's really good. He's really kind of tried to tap into more of the dramatic acting, and um, I feel like he's a, he's a, a person that has a lot more going for him than just a comedic actor. And that's always it's funny. That's always like the goal of some uh, of comedic actors is to kind of be taken seriously. Eventually, you've seen it with you know 
you've seen a lot of comedic actors try for the drama, but seeing him like direct a film like this, like what kind of what kind of uh, genre would you, would you say that this that that mid '90s slides into um, like drama? This would be he he yeah, it's definitely drama because he's he not starring it. in it; he's he's directing it. No, no, no. Yeah, he just wrote, wrote and directed yeah. it. Um, it's it, he said it himself. Um, he is a huge fan of the movie Kids. Okay, and this is his kids. Okay. Um, and it's very reminiscent of the '90s, very Harmy Corinish. Just there are a couple moments where it has to deal with sex mm-hmm. with uh, the younger kids, but I mean, we all dealt with that. Yeah. You know, for the most part, so it it doesn't really it doesn't. Ex- I feel that Harmony Corinne exploits his characters. Yeah, and actors, uh, Jonah Hill didn't do that, which I thought was uh, a very more serious approach. And also in this day and age, I think we need to be a little bit more careful mm-hmm. with child actors. Um, I mean, it still kind of goes into uh, you know a, a scene that kind of gets uncomfortable mm-hmm. because the kid's only thirteen in the film, but I mean, it works. It's very classy how he handled the situation and the film. Um, but speaking on that, there is, uh, it's, uh, I forget the name of that Nirvana song. It's the, uh, old man, um, acoustic song. I can't think of the name, but anyways, it plays um, in the film while the kids doing his business in the, in the bedroom. Well, there is this question that was asked by the audience and I thought everything was handled perfectly. Um, Especially being a fantastic fest, which mm-hmm. is still kind of recovering from, you know, a lot of accusations and sex stuff. And um, and it should be. I'm not, you know, dismissing that at all. But it's just kind of how everything's unfolded, which is good because it also brought a lot of things to light. They're trying to clear things up, blah, blah, blah. It's I think it's a good community. I think it's getting better. Mm-hmm. Um, and doing so, uh, you know, Jonah Hill is a child actor and he's obviously have a lot of friends that are. Uh, child actors too um so the question of the audience i thought the question was a little dumb um but uh some guy asked if you asked the kids if you could lose your virginity to any song what would it be Um, and jonah hill like like just completely jumped in saying no like these kids are like 13 14 15 he's like that's not a good question. Let's be respectful of their ages. Let's move on. Mm. And I thought, shit, you just own like the fucking audience and you gained a lot more respect for me. Yeah. Cause I thought that was really well handled. He just shut it down and moved on. Like it was an appropriate question. You know I yeah, mean? If you totally. asked my daughter that I'd probably fucking, you know, punch you in the face a few times. <laughs> So yeah, it was. I thought it was held perfectly, and you know, kudos to him. Nice. Um. So yeah, that's uh, picked up by uh, a twenty four. So expect to see that eventually. Um. Next up was strike, dear mistress, and cure his heart. This movie is good. Wait, what's it called? Strike, dear mistress, and cure his heart. Huh. Um. This is an odd movie. <laughs> it took me a second to realize. I actually didn't see this in the theater. I watched this as a screener. And um, I had to pause it about 15 minutes in and actually do some research on the filmmaker to realize kind of what I was watching. I don't normally do this. But I was confused. Um, so anyways, it 
Peter Kowalski brought this to light. This guy has done like 20 movies. He's never had any movies distributed. And this is like his 20th movie. Jeez. Um, and I couldn't tell if the film was poorly made <laughs> or if it was on purpose. Or actually, I'm sorry. If the film had bad actors, if it was on purpose or both. <laughs> um, however, everything's intentional. Um, it's just a weird movie. Mm. It's, it's really, really good. But you have to brace yourself because there's not too much like. So, so Mickey Reese is the director. He's yeah, from Mickey Oklahoma Reese is the City, Oklahoma. Yeah, and I actually got to see a few of a few other of his films, and he is uh, great. So, um, yeah, he's very talented. He's just a weird filmmaker, but in the best way possible. Um, I think we're running to the end. Oh. Uh, Under the Silver Lake, which is the director of It Follows and the Myth of the Great American Sleepover. Okay. Um, this movie is hated by a lot of women, um, which I – that's their thing. If I mean, you're allowed – it's hard to say, like, you know, about how you feel about how people perceive the movie. I understand why they look at it that way, and that's fine. Um, and they're more than welcome to have that, their their opinion, obviously. Um, but I feel that the reason why the movie takes this approach is because of the setting that they're trying to create. I think the movie's kind of misunderstood by many people. And I'm not saying it's against women because it'd be fucking stupid to saying that women don't understand the movie. They obviously do. Right. It's just that I think that the way the movie's crafted fits the reasons why. And I'll, this is what I'll get into. So we're talking about a two-and-a-half-hour movie here, um, which is insane. It's an insane movie, but it's very much a neo-noir film. And it tries to really emulate the 50s and 60s of that time in cinema but also modernizing it, making it set. And I think it's like set in like 2000, like 10 or something. Mm -hmm. So that said, there's also this aspect of kind of the freedom of sexuality. So there's a lot of nudity in the film. I mean, even to the point where Andrew Garfield's naked quite a bit. <laughs> um, there's, I mean, that, you know, that's not necessarily a, a bad thing. I'm sure a lot of people would be fine with Andrew Garfield naked. Well, there's also a lot of female nudity, right? Um, like, but I also think it's to the point of the characters. Like, for example, one woman that's in the film quite a bit. Um, it's not quite a bit. She's in the film a good portion. She lives next door. She's a hippie. And she just kind of wears this long skirt. She doesn't wear anything on the top. She just lets her, you know, boobies flow. But, you know, it's like a 50-year-old, 60-year-old woman. And I just look at that kind of more or less like, you know, the freedom of sexuality of that character. Um, 
I think where the film does go wrong, and I agree with, um, I don't think the film's misogynistic, which that's what's being called. I just think there's some poor choices in the film. Um, I think what maybe triggered a lot of this, and I would love for the women that have seen this film to let me know Mm -hmm. if this is true. There's a moment in the film where a woman answers the phone. She's naked, like full frontal. Mm -hmm. And she walks up to the phone and she grabs it and she waits for her friend to pick up in the other room. But the camera just sits on her. Okay. For a long time. I mean, we say a long time, like maybe 30 seconds, which seems like forever. If nothing's happening, there's no conversation. There's no music. It just basically gazes on her body, which I honestly, I do think that needs to be cut because one it's just, if you don't have anything going on, don't put it in your movie. Yeah, exactly. You know, even though it's 30 seconds, it's just an awkward 30 seconds. And I think that's a lot of it where it comes from where this kind of misogynistic mm-hmm. thing comes from. But I would love to be told if I'm, you know, if I'm reading that wrong, I would love to know. Cause I mean, obviously I'm not a woman. I'm not going to feel those same feelings. I'm a dude. So I'm going to watch a movie of female nudity and not think anything of it pretty much, which yeah. that's just true. It's just me. I'm not trying to stand here and say I'm a fucking feminist and shit. Um, you know, I'm, I'm here saying, Hey, I'm a guy. So I don't really see the things you do. Um, which is the part of educating males to begin with. Yeah, if we can open up a political, you know, a conversation about it, that's but, that's fine. I mean, if, yeah, if we're I, open I would to... love to know. I mean, there's a lot of, but other than that, there are a couple <clears> other <throat> scenes of female nudity. Um, but I think there's also a lot. I mean, there's not a lot of males in the film. It's mainly just Andrew Garfield. Mm-hmm. Um, so what you're saying is also... maybe, maybe there had to be a little more Andrew Garfield dick. <laughs> Well, I mean, if that's if that's what is supposed to happen, then yes. You know what I'm saying? Like if, if they're looking for the equal amount of male nudity right. versus female nudity or even more male nudity. I than, mean, say we uh, have a scene female of nudity. Say we have a scene of Andrew Garfield texting someone full frontal, just texting for 30 seconds. Would that balance it out? No, I, I think that would be awkward too. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But, right. No, but that's I just, what I'm saying. I, like, I think there's a couple scenes in the film that are kind of so called, so called needless. Uh-huh. Um, and I think maybe that's where it lies. And if it is, then you know, I totally agree with with the ladies mm-hmm. that that say that. I don't think the film's misogynistic. Per se, I think it tries to emulate kind of the attitude of males in the 50s and 60s mm-hmm. in neo-art noir films or noir films back then with neo-noir today. Right. Um, I don't think there's any – it's like not mean. It's not abusive. It's about a guy that's trying to track down a girl that he kind of fell in love with one night and she disappeared. And the movie's crazy. I mean it's that's just the tip of the ice. I mean it really does get really crazy. It's not like violent per se. It's just a really weird movie. Um, but I'm curious to know once this kind of opens up to more, um, more audiences to see what, uh, you know, I'd like to know what Anya thought mm-hmm. of it. I should ask her. I should have had a conversation with her after every movie. But I, I, I mean, <laughs> I saw a few, a few women just really disliked the film. Um, and, calling it that yeah so okay. I, w- I would i would just like to know more about that thought and kind of um 
explain what what those scenes or if it was those scenes what made it made it that way right um men are stupid so we don't really see those types of things but so we, we look please. we just sorry but we we see some boobs or whatever and we just i just we just don't really that's i'm i'm just trying yeah, to be honest we're just i mean i'm not really i mean we're being honest here so it, we don't <laughs> we don't see that as so, a problem so next no. <laughs> up is a film that women will love because Chris Hemsworth is oh. open shirt for the most part God and pants kind of pulled down. Um, so anyways, was the world premiere, I think, of Bad Times at El Royale, which I thought, I think it was um, Ted Gagan that said it best. He said, meh, times at the El Royale. <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's Drew Goddard's attempt to kind of branch out and make his own thing. Um, Bad Times at the El Royale um, is very Tarantino-esque, but it doesn't have the snazzy dialogue. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like that's what he's trying to do. Um, The film's very interesting, but once it ends, it's not rewatchable. Like, once you kind of know what's going on, you're like, Oh, okay. That's neat. Move so, along. So this this is I already I mean, forgot the movie. This is Drew Goddard's. Is that how you pronounce his last name? Goddard. Goddard. This is his yeah. follow up to Cabin in the Woods. I mean, he hasn't done yeah. anything, which is interesting. Like, like that's kind of shocking to me that he hasn't done a film since 2012. He's done uh, some TV episodes, but um, but he hasn't done a film which i figured i thought like cabin in the woods would kind of launch him into you know some more kind of horror movie you know well don't forget cabin in the woods was made and then sat on a shelf for right a right years. so it's uh yeah i mean he's done some writing um some daredevil yeah. stuff defenders but it's um, so uh, it's interesting this is fine i i think it's going to be a very big hit amongst the normal movie yeah code. i saw a lot of love for it it's so. just it's just that um, I don't know. I, I I was just I walked out, and Jonathan uh, Barkan was like, "Hey, what'd you think?" And I was like, "Yeah, it's fine." And he goes, "Yeah, that's what everybody's saying." And then like this another wave of group says it's like the best of the festival, and I'm like, eh, well, that's not true." Um, yeah, it'll but the it'll movie's do good. Fine, it's not bad. It's not bad at all. Mm-hmm. That's the thing is, I didn't really see any bad movies. I just saw. You know, good movies, great movies, and okay movies. Yeah. And this is, I thought, was just okay. Um, Everyone did say, like, Tarantino light. Was, yeah, was it's, what I, very, what I it's very Tarantino-ish mm. in that sense. So, you know, hey. Uh, I mean, it works on a few levels. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't work on all the levels. All right. So other than that, I mean, that's that's pretty much it with Fantastic Fest. Like I said, if if you're a female listener, um, DM me at Brad F. Henderson. Um, and let's talk about Under the Silver Lake if you saw it, because I really want to know your opinion. Yeah. I really want to know how this movie um, kind of goes down as far as like what's what and um, how everybody feels about it, because I'm curious because. I walked out of the film really liking it, and then I'm, like, checking Twitter, and it's just, like, only guys like this movie. And I'm like, 
Well, everybody I like Matt I loves the movie, but you're right, they're all dudes. So, um I mean there's also kind of like this I mean the guy like Andrew Garfield's like a movie lover because he can you see all these like you know posters in the back of his like uh room and he collects like Playboys and Nintendo Power magazines and <laughs> you know Zelda plays a factor in the film. Um oh and there's also this weird like creepy lady that walks around naked. So I mean yeah, I guess I'm starting to actually think about it now. It's like okay, now I kind of see what you're talking about. Um but, but there is a lot of fe- there's a lot of female nudity in the film, yeah. and maybe that's where all a lot of this is stemming from, um, kind of like the male gaze of the film. So hmm. um, I'm actually going to DM Anya tomorrow and ask her if she saw this. And, and but, see, uh, look, but I mean, as long as as long as us as guys who are going to miss miss this stuff because we're just going to see, you know, the nudity. Um, if we're open to the conversation and aren't dicks about it, like that's half the battle there you know if we can fucking grow up and and kind of you know get uh get a sense for why some certain things are problematic like that's you know that that needs to be i mean that's a good thing um but anyway you know i think being but that's that's what i'm saying is like your attitude towards this film like even though you did enjoy it like having that thought you know about you know the how a woman would approach it or seeing that thing and being open to the conversation like like that's huge like i think a lot of guys need to be more for that being open to that kind of conversation because um we we, we need to yeah. we need to figure something out and not be such assholes but uh yeah i mean i'm still gonna like the movie it's just i right. know um you know kind of where where that's coming from yep. and good, man. you know so oh david robert mitchell was uh was the director. So, so nobody, uh, nobody asked him about it. He didn't have anything to say about, uh, about that. Was there, uh, there was, but the question was cut off. Huh? Interesting. Okay. Um, the question was, um, you know, the, the question of female nudity. And he said, you know, well, you know, there's a lot of male nudity too. And it just Mm. kind of, uh, left it at that Mm. here. Give, give me, I was trying to scroll through, uh, Googling under the Silver Lake um, to see, you know, because I know that there's a lot of, there's a lot of females. Um, it's a, uh, yeah, there's, there's more, I think there's right, more so women in the film. Under the Silver Lake and can't remember last time I felt like a movie was so disrespectful of my time. Huh. Um, that was a lady that said that. Um, I was trying to see uh, if there's anything else. These are like I was just trying to see if there was any. You can close up. I'll. I'm still looking. You can close <laughs> up the show. Well, uh, well, no, I, I did want to ask you though. Uh, you did mention hygiene early on in the episode, and you said that this time around that uh, there was not the persistent smell of. Uh, uh, of, yeah, of well, there's odor. a lot of women. Uh, so a lot. There's a lot okay. of women at the uh, at the festival now. So, and it wasn't as bad as far as like um, you know, uh, smelly. Yeah, that's, smelly people. That's, so that's, that's um, progress. Yeah. So I'm I'm pretty uh, 
pretty excited about the chain and yeah. turn of events so, with uh, with uh, yeah. smelly people. Well, wrap, wrapping up here, um, I know last year there was a lot of kind of drama leading up to Fantastic Fest. Um, I I have a feeling, I mean, there are the, still the critics out there kind of giving a side eye to Alamo and, and, uh, and, and Tim uh, and everything. Uh, but from people that have gone, I feel like this year and then moving forward that that is still uh, a conversation or at least kind of in the background of something that they really do want to change the perception of. Do you, do you get the feeling of that? Are they an organization yeah, that is no, I think committed they do. To, make, to, to grabbing this by the horns and, and making sure that they don't have that reputation because, uh, you know, I mean, it got pretty, it, it's still a heavy thing. I still, a lot of people are still kind of concerned about it, you know, yeah, I th- I think it is changing, and I think it is for the better. So it's just um, it's just going to take a um, some time to be able to create what exactly what they want. But I think they're on their way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's um, I think it's very positive with the changes that are being made. Um, and they are trying and they're very open about it in that sense. I do think still some things were handled incorrectly. Um, but you know, you kind of have to focus on what's going to happen rather than what should have happened. You know, you can't change the past now. All you can do is, you know, focus on the future. You know, you can harp on Tom, Tim league a lot, which is, I mean, if you think he deserves it, he deserves it. That's fine. I'm not here to say you're right or wrong. Um, but I do think the only thing that is uh, that I think we have to look at it more positive is the change. Because if you want people to change, you can't condemn everything that they do afterwards. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to be positive. If they're trying to make changes, and we have to embrace that because that's what we're all about. We're trying to we need people to change. We want people to gain knowledge, to become smarter and aware of their actions and change. You know, if you just harp on everything that they do or have done negatively, then, you know, we, it's not going to warrant too much change. Yeah. I mean, I think Tim League has done a lot, um, you know, handing basically the festival over to Kristen Bell and Evram Esroy, who basically run the thing now. I mean, Tim League was there. He showed up. He showed up to a couple events, participated in an event mm-hmm. or two. Um, but, I mean, that's just what he was doing. I mean, I don't – his presence was kind of – low profile to an extent. Um, but uh, I mean, my thing is that I don't think he ever really, like, I felt like there was a true apology. I felt like there was more like, just like an, ex- Hey, this is why I did this mm-hmm. rather than saying, Hey, you know what? I had time to reflect. I kind of fucked up on that. Should have yeah. been more honest. I'll be more open now. I'll be more honest now, but I, I still think, you know, he's still a good guy. I, I mean, I think he was just trying to help a friend at the time. Yeah. But I think it was the wrong, uh, definitely the wrong way to go about it. And trying to hide it is not very smart. It's kind of, I mean, the same thing with, uh, you know, the same thing kind of happened with Shane Black with the Predator. Right. Yeah. You know, he wasn't up front. He apologized for it. I thought it was a sincere apology. Yeah. You know, he's honest. He said, look, I was trying to help out a friend. I fucked up. 
Um, I feel terrible now. This whole night is yeah, and you know the shadow of of my mistake. I fucked up. I won't do it again. Right. Yeah. And I was like, well, shit. You know, it's a, no, that's I... exactly the perfect response to that. Yep. I mean, but I don't think Tim League did that. Right. But I mean, hey, who am I to? I'm not here to judge what he should have done. Like I just said, I think, I think right now it's about moving forward yeah. and about making the film community safer. Um, I mean, you can guarantee that nothing like that's going to happen at Fantastic Fest now, which is a positive thing. Right. No, I, I, I feel don't think like anybody's going to harass anybody at Fantastic yeah. Fest because your ass is going to get kicked out. Yeah. You're going to be made a pub, pub, public mockery and you're going to lose your badge and then you're going to be shunned by the entire film community. Yeah. So therefore, in return, this incident that was terrible um, is going to help in the future. Yes, it sucks what happened. But in the future coming, that's the whole point is to prevent that from happening. So if we could do that with other festivals, then we're good. Yeah. And make the film community and then branch out. Because the film community is just a small portion. We need to do that for the rest of the fucking world. You know? But you got to start small. You know? Start here and then hopefully other things will happen. And I, mean, I think I think everybody is more aware than they used to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very positive. Um, you know, we just have to keep implementing that, smack people's hands when they're wrong. You know, I mean, it's time that we change and it's time for women to run Star Wars. <laughs> it's time it's time for women to run this fucking country. <laughs> fuck, yeah. fuck everything else, man. Like, I think it's time for guys to, uh, to step aside for, uh, for a couple of decades for sure. All right, man. Yeah, re edit under the Silver Lake and let's go, I guess, you know? Yeah, but, you know, get some more Andrew Garfield dick. Good to go. Hey. That's not, hey, I mean, that's not I, I actually saw where. See that. I mean, well. I yeah. said the movie was sexist. I just saw that. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I saw where a, a, a gentleman said um, that the film was sexist. There was another one saying only men. Huh. Well, like under the silver wow, lake. Oh, okay. Um, which is not necessarily. I mean, I see a lot of uh, ladies um, um, praising. Hey, here's uh, Mecca Melissa. We know her. Yeah. Um, she said today's been a home run after home run, with each getting better and better than the last. Holiday under the silver lake and one cut of the dead, the latter of which is by large and top of my favorites. All right. Well. Um. So, I mean, you have positivity from her. So it's probably going to be mixed. I'm not going to say every female is going to fucking hate this movie. Um, but, I mean, if they do, I'm not going to disregard that. Obviously, something's bothering them, and I would like to know a little bit yeah. more um, exactly pinpointing what um, what is actually the matter, which I imagine I'm on the right track. Yeah. Um, it's just very male-centric, but, you know, explain a little bit more. I would like to know more about this. What other movies do this? But anyways, I mean, I didn't get political. I still want to know. Yeah. No, it's good. It's good. Like, like so, I said, it's, it's not going to change my thoughts on the movie. I mean, I'm still going to like the movie. Yeah. It's just, you know, tell me why you don't like it. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think very few times somebody's opinion is going to open my eyes in order to see a movie differently. Yeah, I think the only time that that would work is if you liked a movie more if you, or, or if you liked a movie or hated a movie. I don't think it's going to change your opinion on liking it or hating it. I think you're, if you like, for example, uh, Jeepers Creepers, <laughs> you know, Jeepers Creepers, it's, it's movies. Okay. Like whatever, you know, when it came out, it was, it was fun, but growing up and, you know, knowing more about it, 
movie's not that great. But then, you know, when you hear BJ say that, you know, it's basically Victor Salva's fantasy because mm-hmm. he's like eating like males. It's like, oh, yeah, I kind of dislike that movie a little bit more now. You know, or something says something about a movie like mid nineties when you're like, Oh yeah, Jonah Hill's like said this at Fantastic Fest. You're like, Oh, I kinda like mid nineties a little bit more now. Right. So but I don't I don't think an opinion like that would change your you know, ask you know, your your thoughts on a movie. I don't know. I'm just curious. Interesting. Well, hey, I look forward to hearing more about the conversation. But that's like I said, that's half the battle is being open to conversation and not closing yourself off to you know, oh, Stephanie needs to watch it yeah there we go all right man well yeah. uh I think that's gonna do it for for this episode uh all right man everyone make Thanks sure you have me on the show yeah yeah you're welcome invite you know, me back come by sometime. anytime <laughs> yeah everybody make sure you stop over to the screamcast.com find other shit over there you can find our kind of uh spinoff podcast we have xenopod from the year 5000 which is my science fiction podcast uh the most recent one we talk about fire in the sky with anya stanley uh also mike delaney with or without brad has been spiraling the t-h-e-s-o-v-p-o-d podcast into something just bizarre wonderful and batshit crazy they just wrapped up the eight-part series on Heavy Metal Parking Lot, uh, which is a 16-minute documentary. I think in total, this podcast episode, if you put all eight episodes together, it's got to be at least four hours long. So uh, Mike is a crazy genius, and uh, Brad, you have been on the recent Normal episode, uh, talking about a couple of films, and... Uh, so everyone, make sure you check that out. Check out our sponsors. Go to our sponsors link and check out Coffee Shop of Horrors. Use our code SCREAMCAST to get 10% off your order. Big thank you to Wolfmen of Mars for, provi- pro- for providing music, for Kevin Spencer for providing the artwork. And uh, you need to check out, check out GrindhouseVideo.com, everybody. Make that your first stop for movie buying because, uh, you know, because there's a lot of lot of good shit there so check that out uh i don't think i'm missing any anybody if i am i'll make up for it next episode but uh oh there you go again, yeah huge thank you to all of our club scum members you guys rock and uh you keep uh you keep us motivated to keep this crazy thing going and uh with that i will say good evening or good day good day to you sir Brad, do you have anything else to say uh, and what you're doing or what, or whatever? No, that's it, man. All right. Talk to you later, everybody. All right. See ya. Oh, don't tell me you're leaving. The party's just begun. Oh.